welcome to Dark Alignment Podcast. I'm Brittany. And I'm Aruka Rose. And we're a true crime astrology podcast. And this is season three, episode two. We're covering a really huge story that you guys voted. I mean, I guess it was 100% of the poll we did. Everybody wanted to hear about this. We're covering the Salem witch trials for spooky season. Yay! And And there's lots of murder. There's lots of murder, so we're going to go ahead and do the disclaimer right Mm -hmm. here. Lots and lots of murder, lots of terrible things happen, so we're going to be talking not super graphic stuff, Mm -hmm. um, but there's some some rough spots in there, so buckle up for that later. Mm -hmm. Um, If you want to support our podcast, you can like us, you can follow, you can subscribe, you can rate, you can review. That actually helps us a whole lot. It helps boost us up the algorithm so other people can find the show. And that doesn't cost you anything to do any of those nice things. In fact, mm-hmm. none of, none of, no monies. No monies at all. Mm-hmm. And if you follow us on social media, we're on all the platforms. Uh, we do a lot of cool giveaways mm-hmm. and really fun interactive stuff on there. So the content is also free. It's amazing. Free and free and free and free. <laughs> That's everyone's favorite price is free. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you love, love, love the podcast, you can join our Patreon yes. for bonus content. Yes. And right now we are doing no minimum on our Patreon mm-hmm. until Halloween, mm-hmm. which is uh, very exciting. And then we're going to be implementing a tiered structure to that. So mm-hmm. if you join before then, you get access to all the content. Mm-hmm. You get grandfathered in and you won't uh, be involved in the tier system. You'll move mm-hmm. right up to what I keep saying is the top chart bitches. I don't know what y'all think about it that. Might be, it might be. Um, this is just me saying stuff. Some like murder moons and top chart bitches. And that, we're yeah. not sure. We're not sure exactly. What yeah, we're not sure what we're going to call the levels yet. This mm-hmm. is a, That's what we're working on. We've got it all mapped out of all the cool stuff you'll get. And we're going to talk about if that. If you have any name maybe. ideas for Patreon levels, let yes. us know in the comments. Or, what? Or, on, or reach out to us. If Yeah, what would you like to be called? Like what would you mm-hmm. want your Patreon tier to be called? Mm-hmm. Um, but we have other exciting news coming up too. Mm-hmm. So we have merchandise now, which is so awesome. So we have dark Show climate stickers. Up. You can also see one on my laptop here. These are amazing. Uh, the design is by Brittany Simon over at Colab Design. So please follow her. And if you need any sort of branding or logo, she is the one to go to. She's incredible to work with. Did such a great job. Um, we absolutely love our stickers. Um, so you can get those on our website, which we're yes, also we have an official website also now. getting in the works. So it's pretty bare bones at the moment, but maybe by the time you're listening to this, it won't be. Yep. Um, we're getting <laughs> we're getting the merch on there, and then did, did you mention our event? That was the next thing on okay. my list. Um, another big, huge announcement is we are doing our first ever live show. We are recording the podcast live mm-hmm. um, locally. So if you follow us, we've probably already invited you. If not, get on our event page. It's mm-hmm. on Facebook. So for all the details there. And then if you are not a local, you can still join us live, which mm-hmm. is awesome. Um, so for $5, you can live stream the video, have mm-hmm. full access to it. You get the episode before everybody mm-hmm. else. Patreon, you already know you're getting it for free. So don't even worry. Just log on <laughs> and uh, we got you. You're mm-hmm. already invited. You're VIPs. Um, again, if you want to join our Patreon, you will get access to, to things like that. Things like that. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, I want to talk about our amazing candle that we have burning for mm-hmm. this episode. In honor of the Salem Witch Trials, we are burning the Hecate candle from Anastasia Blue Alchemy. 
It smells amazing. It does. It has wonderful energy. I love um, it. So we're thriving on these good vibes. Uh, or I guess without further ado, do you have any other announcements? Anything else you want to talk about? Maybe? No. 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 All right. We're going to go ahead and jump right into the story. Um, I would like to preface this with this is totally out of my wheelhouse as far as research goes. Um, I typically do a lot of uh, profiling on the person. I'm looking at their criminological history. I'm mm -hmm. looking at their psychological history and kind of building what I want to talk about. And I usually know every detail of the story already. I just am kind of picking and right. choosing what I want to do. For this episode, I actually knew almost nothing about the Salem Witch Trials. You knew. I knew a bit. A lot. Well, I had to do the play in, in class in high school. Oh, what part did you play? Do you remember? It was like in class, so it wasn't like oh. fancy, but it. Um, That's pretty I, awesome. I think I, I think I was a Mary or a somebody. I don't know. Somebody like named Ab Mary or Abigail. I can't remember. That sounds... I think we. I might have switched roles. I mean, if the part didn't work, it didn't work. <laughs> you, you have every right to be a diva in class and be like, you know. this part's not working for me actually. Anyway, it was a lot of memories that I had from. Well, uh, from the Crucible is what the the play is called. You actually like knew so much about it. I was really impressed, but I had to start from scratch. So I had to do a bunch of history research, which I'm not used to doing before building kind of uh, how I wanted to structure this for this mm -hmm. episode. And there's a lot in the story that we could not possibly cover. We are really mm -hmm. focusing in on the people that we uh, could find charts for. Yes, and of those people, I did find quite a few charts. And of those were mainly I'm going to review several of them, like, briefly, like, give you some highlights, but mm -hmm. I think I really want to hone in on Sarah Good. Yep, that's who the story is. I have the most is. information on her astrologically. Yep, that's how mm -hmm. the story is uh, structured as well. So we mm -hmm. coordinated beforehand, which was really cool. We've, We've never really great. done pre-episode collaboration mm -hmm. on the person mm -hmm. or the people. Uh, so that was cool. This has been a really fun episode to do, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start with all my sources. So we had Wikipedia. Please donate because... Donate. Yeah. <laughs> donate. Donate. Uh, Britannica.com. The Salem Witch Trials documentary by the History Channel. List 25. Salem Witch Hunt by Explore.com. Ted Ed. Boston History. The First Accuser. Sci-Fi Wire. And Amer America's Hidden Stories. Salem's Secrets by the Smithsonian Channel. So a lot of different um, sources for this one. Mm. And what you may know about the trials already is the Salem Witch Trials were a series of hearings and prosecutions of people who were accused of doing witchcraft in colonial Massachusetts between February of 1962 and May of I'm sorry, 19, 1692. <laughs> I flipped that off. You, you know, it's in the it's in the 90s. Yeah, like, what? Very, of no. course. 1692 <laughs> and May of 1693. So, like, a little over a year that all of this craziness mm -hmm. went down. And more than 200 people were accused of being witches. 30 were found guilty. 19 of those people were executed by hanging. And one person was executed by pressing. Mm-hmm. And everyone else was thrown in prison. So, here we go. Historical shit. <sighs> Witch hunting was not a new concept. Originally, this started in Europe in the early 1300s, and it ended in the late 18th century. So, Salem was a little bit late to the game uh, when you're kind of comparing that. 
But during the peak of the witch hunt around the 1580s or so, it's generally believed that around 110,000 people were put on trial and between 40 and 60,000 people were executed for it. So wow. that is ridiculous. So number. many people. Um, the process of identifying witches began with suspicions and rumors. Accusations were next, and this usually escalated to convictions and executions. And some people truly bought into all of this like witchcraft hysteria that was going on. Um, but other people were using these trials as a form of revenge against other people that they either didn't get along with or had some sort of a land dispute with. That's a mm -hmm. really common theme that we see. So here we go. A little bit of history just about witchcraft. Early witching, <laughs> it has its roots in like a folk magic. It goes way, way back. Salem was always really well known for being super religious and having a lot of religious conflict. Um, the Puritans, that's who started really all of this in Salem, they were super scared of all things related to the devil. So anything that reminded them of the devil or represented the devil to them, they feared it. Also, random thing I picked up while I was listening to things about this, the devil's color back then was yellow. Ooh, that's we have some very specific colors uh, named, and it's very strange because like you know people now would be like oh red. black and red and maybe black. red. Yeah. And, uh, no, yellow was the devil's color during this time. Interesting. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry, that I, is I a really that. fun fact. Thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. I love when you raise your hand. I have. Me up. I feel like yes. Would you? Do you have something to say? <laughs> like it's. I don't want. I want you to finish your sentence. Um, I, I have another random fact for some time. You can okay. let me know when we're ready for that You just one. drop facts as you feel them. Like, I want you, this is your I podcast. I can tell you now. Too. I can Do tell it. you now. If you feel like it's, you want to say it, you say it. All right. It. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I hope this wasn't something. I think you would have said this by now if you were going to. So, also, two dogs were accused and executed mm -hmm. for witchcraft as well in Salem. So yeah, there's some that's that's later when I get into the the trials. Okay, I've good. got a lot of. Uh, I wasn't sure. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I, that's actually the, part of why I wanted oh. to light the Hecate candle is because of like all the dog themes. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, that was part of why I felt like we should have. All right, I'm, I'm ready. Are we ready, are we ready to rock? Ready to continue. Okay, so the yellow and dogs. yellow yellow and dogs. Remember that. <laughs> so they were scared of yellow labs. Um, no, that's dumb. <laughs> Okay, the Puritans lived and died by the Bible. It was a really, really strict religion. Uh, they actually thought the other um, parts of like the Protestant movement were not strict enough. So they were like, mm, we really need this to be more rigid. Mm -hmm. So here we are, we're Puritans. Um, and it's like, says it all in the name too, like the purity, all Pure. this shit. So um, apparently there is a Bible passage that talks about witches and they got very fixated on this. It's just like... I, I read the passage and was like, that doesn't, I don't know, I feel like they, they went too far with it, you know? Whoa. <laughs> they kind of took it to a new level. I should have put it in here, but. I mean, I can look it up. It was all very fire and brimstone as far as their beliefs went, and they thought that people could be attacked by evil through witches, so by humans, and even through the earth. So things like rocks, like they actually thought that like plants and rocks could be bewitched. Because mm -hmm. and... it was all of earth and not of. God, mm -hmm. uh, but I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me, but whatever. Did you find the passage? Um, yes. Do you want to read it? Oh uh, yes. 
Let me see. I want to find the one that actually says the word. Okay. So I had um, it and then it, it went away. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I remember seeing it up there for a second, but they viewed a lot of behaviors as sinful, of course. And the church was all about using shame as a form of social control, which is like exactly the same as today. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's, I feel like that's kind of universal. Um, it's the perfect environment, though, for something as horrible as the witch trials to reemerge. Like, everything that's mm -hmm. going on in Salem, there's a lot of um, political stuff going on. There's a lot of uh, disputes going on. So this hysteria, it was just kind of like a perfect breeding ground, really. Mm -hmm. Now I want to talk a little bit about the concept of the witch. This is fascinating to me. So back in this time, witches were basically... Um, what we would refer to as a feminist in today's society. So, like, strong, independent, non-submissive. Um, mm -hmm. That was seen as evil back then. And they thought that, like, if a woman didn't comply to something, she was um, bewitched. So, mm. from a pop culture standpoint, I think this is really interesting. You see the evolution of the mm -hmm. witch. So, back then, this is like Grimm's fairy tales. You have stories like... Hansel and Gretel, where the witch lured children mm -hmm. into her home and then, like, ate them in a stew and, like... Um, then when you like fast forward to about the 1960s, you have Samantha from Bewitched. Mm -hmm. You have like in later years, like the 90s, you had Sabrina, the teenage witch. It just keeps kind of going mm -hmm. and becoming more positive, mm -hmm. which is fascinating. I actually have a lot more later in here about, uh, Samantha from Bewitched. So hang on to that mm -hmm. for like the very, very end. Um, it's a fun, little fun twist. So the most obvious portrayal of Salem mm -hmm. is Hocus Pocus, which is extremely historically inaccurate. I'm sure. But so entertaining. <laughs> I mean, there's almost nothing um, related to the story. And it feels like they did it on purpose because they have it set where the execution of the Sanderson sisters was in like, I think it was the fall of 1693 and the witch trials ended in May of 1693. So they oh, have wow. it. It's almost like they did it on purpose. It's like a continuation. Not. It's almost like... Hmm. To avoid being disrespectful yeah. to the entire thing that Disney <laughs> that Disney created it. Yeah. So. My sister loves that show. She named her cat after it. I watched it last night or the night before. I watched Adam's Family last night. I watched. Mm -hmm. I've been watching Twilight Zone. What's. Oh, like the old. Like the. I used to watch it as a kid. Oh, that's fantastic. That's fun. It's on Hulu. Get on that. <laughs> I will have to watch it. I have Hulu. Oh, do you um, want me to read those passages? Yes. Did you find them? Yes. Um. Sweet. Okay, so up here it says, it talks a lot about being unfaithful to the Lord, you know, um, trying to be like God, but th those are kind of extracted from different passages, uh, so it seems like they're trying to really mash things together. Yeah, there was one in particular. Um, there is one. I'm okay. getting, so the uh, New Testament mentions sorcery, and then it looks like this might be Revelations, um, oh my gosh. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and yes. stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Witchcraft is Satan's realm, and he excels in counterfeiting what God does. When Moses okay. performed 
miracles before Pharaoh. Oh, this is a whole The magicians lot. did the same thing through dynamic power. That's an Exodus, I guess. Or First Samuel. It's kind of hard with the way this is said. The one line was the one that everything I kept mm -hmm. reading was the rebellion. Having to do with rebellion, and uh -huh. I think that's directly related to the women being rebellious in their minds. They're like, oh, well, she's uh -huh. a witch. It seemed like uh, so. they, there were a lot of references back then of women being more susceptible to Satan's, mm -hmm. like, uh, manipulation and they were weaker so physically so they were also weaker spiritually and they needed men to protect Ugh. them and keep them in god's path in god's light mm -hmm. this is mm, i'm gonna keep my opinions to myself because <laughs> i could really rant about that mm -hmm. so now we're going to talk about the big catalyst the thing that like kicked the whole situation off the afflicted girls so <laughs> You have two cousins. You've got Abigail Williams, who's 11 years old, and then her nine-year-old cousin, Betty Paris. They were the first of the children to accuse anybody on their household staff or their neighbors of witchcraft in 1692. The accusations went completely wild and eventually led to all the craziness of the Salem witch trials. And this mm -hmm. is especially significant because they were the pastor's daughter and niece. Mm -hmm. And they, when they became afflicted or bewitched, they both began throwing these violent tantrums and fits. They were having convulsions. They were, like, contorting their bodies around. And it was, like, nothing that anybody had ever seen before. So people believed that the devil um, had done this, even though, um, like, they were thinking he could do it through people in the world. So mm -hmm. that, like, that he worked through humans. So outside of the devil, like, they couldn't come up with any logical reason why the girls were doing this. The doctors were saying that there was nothing physically wrong with them. Um, and gave them the prognosis that they were under an evil hand. So the girls kind of started a thing that they couldn't come back from. It, <laughs> I, I don't know if they realized what was going to happen. Um, but Abigail accused a household servant, servant named Tichuba. Mm -hmm. I've heard it pronounced a few different ways, but I like Tichuba the best, and I heard it the most. Mm -hmm. so. That's how um, we used to say it in class, okay. but I don't know. No, I'm going to trust that. Mm -hmm. It's definitely how you started pronouncing it when we were first talking about mm -hmm. it. So this this feels, yeah. Yep. This is right. This is good. I've heard a lot of different pronunciations. So mm -hmm. That was the one that I continued to hear, mm -hmm. and that's the one I was like, okay, I'm going with it. Um, so yeah, she was blamed for all of this, uh, regardless of what actually caused it. And uh, the more, then like more and more girls in the area started having symptoms, the same ones. Mm -hmm. So it spread like wildfire. And now we're going to go through the potential causes. Some of them are very logical. Some of them are bewitchment. So <laughs> um, be ready. Yeah. None of these causes though have ever been proven definitively. It's mm -hmm. a lot of speculation. It's just a fun conversation to have. But... And some of the real popular ones have been debunked over the mm -hmm. years too. So. Yeah, um, one of the really popular ones is that it was some sort of a food poisoning mm -hmm. uh, from a poisonous fungus that grew on rye bread called, I think it's argot. Is that ergot. Or, ergot. Okay. Ergot. How it's That that poisoning, um, because it caused hallucinations, spasms, fits, delusions, and vomiting. Mm -hmm. And it formed on bread when it got too damp. So it was really common in the summer months. Um, like all of their grains could mm -hmm. uh, be at risk and... You know, the other trying to hold food back then yep. and keep it 
lasting longer and longer in like the year. They were also having a lot of stress, I think, with food and with like territories and the Native Americans around them and also with other people. So I think that there was a lot of stress with food during this time, if yeah. I'm remembering correctly. And um, it's also possible that the girls were just faking it for attention. Mm-hmm. That would be really intense, but still there's a condition called conversion disorder where if somebody is afraid enough or in a heightened enough state, their like their psychology, mm-hmm. um, it could cause them to actually convulse. So you wow. can experience some of these symptoms if you're in that type of like really intense mental state, which is fascinating. Mm. Um, and the girls did receive a ton of notoriety and attention for this behavior. It drew a large mm-hmm. crowd. Um, also, like women at this time didn't really get recognized for much. Mm-hmm. And it was just, there was a lot of things that they could have, I don't know, there's a lot of reasons if they had faked it that this could be possible. Another potential cause of this is linked to a smallpox outbreak in Salem right before all this started. And Reverend Cotton Mather actually accused a local woman of causing that outbreak through witchcraft. So that was kind of like uh-huh. Oh, I know that a story. precursor story of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is interesting. I feel like this is really relevant right now because we just experienced a global pandemic, and it's easy to see like how mm-hmm. fear-based accusations and all this stuff can trigger a huge chain of events. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're trying to be like, what caused it, and who do we blame for it, and like. You know, that can make people really on edge. We've seen it firsthand, even, like, in our modern world, which is pretty fascinating to think about. But it sets everything in motion. Um, so, more about Cotton Mather, since we do have his chart, I believe, or at least mm-hmm. have some info on his, him. His is something. Okay. So, I found, really something. I found quite a bit about him when I specifically started seeking him out. So, he was a profound writer at the time. He wrote over 300 books of prayers, devotionals, and sermons. He, his father was actually the leader of the Puritan movement. So can you mm. imagine like how intense that is? Wow. Um, but these beliefs were really ingrained into him. He has this like family reputation and legacy to uphold. He was very intelligent, very above average as far as intelligence goes. He studied at Harvard, but he had a stutter. And that made it really hard for him to be a lead pastor. So, um, he was always kind of like the assistant pastor. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, he really, like, intrinsically wanted to do good. Mm -hmm. He even wrote a famous book on, like, doing good things. And Benjamin Franklin said that this book changed his life. So, um, it was very well received. And you can see how, like, all these extreme religious convictions led him to believe that he was doing good by ridding Salem of these witches. Like, he mm-hmm. genuinely was so convicted. Um, it's, it's interesting. I feel like you see this with a lot of, like, heavily religious people. Like, they think they're so well-intended, but it's, like, very extreme and too far and an infringement on rights. Like, you see it all the time, mm-hmm. even still today. I think this is just, um, it's a similar energy, really. Yes, absolutely. So Just remember all that when we pull up the chart. Yeah, please. yeah. Oh my god. Um, I love that we have a chart. I am mentioning like the people we have their chart. We mm-hmm. now we're gonna go over some more of the main figures in the Salem witch trials, and we do not have all their charts. We did not have the chart for Mercy Lewis, but she really helped fuel the hysteria. She came down with the same fits as the little girls, which is part of why it continued to spread. She was having these violent contorting fits. 
uh, the religious people were losing their minds, and the little girls could not like testify in court against anyone. Um, they were just children, so they could point the finger at everybody. Mm-hmm. They were definitely blaming Tichuba, like hardcore, mm-hmm. um, mainly because she was an outsider. Mm-hmm. They blamed a lot of outsiders and like outcast people. She was a servant woman from India. She had a different physical appearance, like you know, it was an easy like scapegoat for them at the time. I'm sure. Absolutely. But they actually needed an adult for an accusation to hold up in court. That was like their big thing. And Mercy Lewis was that person. So after after she was accused, Tichaba decided to confess to the crimes of witchcraft. And she had to also name other people involved. That was always the thing. Like mm-hmm. you had to confess, you had to apologize, you had to name other people. Like mm-hmm. these are the things they expected. Give us the inside of mm-hmm. the who, uh, who was in a Satan's book. Yep. That is we'll uh-huh. talk about that later too. Absolutely. Um but it's also, like, she said a lot of outlandish things in this, but um, you were better off admitting it at this time and confessing, apologizing, blaming someone than if you were to deny it. Mm-hmm. Because denying it means you're going to get executed. <laughs> admitting it, mm-hmm. you did not. So that mm-hmm. was, there's a huge perk there. Um, <laughs> so now we're uh-huh. getting into some colors. So. Tichuba accused other women of witchcraft. She ended up saying that she was seeing black dogs, which is interesting. Black Mm -hmm. dogs, red cats, and yellow birds. And they made her sign the devil's book. Oh, my God. Uh, She said that herself and the other women she accused were doing things to harm the children. That was, like, their big thing. So everybody's, like, freaking out, of course, because they're getting Mm -hmm. this confession that they coerced. Um... But she said that they all signed the devil's book together, which meant Satan could take over their bodies and use them to cause harm. So, one of the women that Tishuba named was Sarah Good, mm-hmm. who we're going to talk about in detail. She was a local local beggar woman who was known for having kind of a bad temper. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tichuba also named Sarah Osborne and Rebecca Nurse, but we're only going to go into heavy focus on Sarah. Um, Thomas and Ann Putnam were a big piece of this, too, because they supported the idea of Salem having its own church, and that would double the taxes. So this was like a money thing. Uh, of um, course. A lot of these. It was a really divisive thing going on mm-hmm. in their community, as you can imagine. And witchcraft is kind of in the center of all of it, of the argument of why we need the church here locally. Mm-hmm. We need this church here, obviously, like, because mm-hmm. everybody's turning to the devil. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the one that was close next, closest was, like, 10 miles yes. around back Trenton. then, that was yeah. a long way. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so, Mercy Lewis starts accusing everyone of causing her fits. And uh, basically anyone who crosses the Putnam family goes on trial for witchcraft as well. So Puritans weren't supposed to be violent. That's a big part of their religion. Mm -hmm. So they used the laws as their primary tactic to exact revenge on people. So not great. No, not not great. The next section is going to be covering the culture of fear. So this was a shared belief by many, many people. And the witch trials were a result of church policies, families having issues among each Mm -hmm. other, land disputes, um, hysterical children, hysterical adults. Like, there's a lot going on here. Um, Further fueled by the political authority at the time. Mm -hmm. It was very intense. And, uh, again, 
Very, very divisive, as we said. But overall, the witch trials were really just an effort to identify hidden witches in society. They didn't really target individuals who were already thought to be, like, actual witches. <laughs> so they weren't really going after the people who, like, were an obvious choice for this. It was just people, we don't really like them. They were more scared we're... of the hidden witches than, like, the uh -huh. um, covert, like, covert rather than overt. Like, they were not afraid of people who were, like, uh -huh. blatantly being scary. They're probably terrified of those people. Like, so that's kind of funny. Um, it's all, like, fear-based motivation here. And the widespread culture of fear caused an entire town to do unspeakable things with no real proof whatsoever. Um, so let's talk about what they were scared of. So the witches were considered to be followers of Satan who had traded their souls for assistance. So it was also believed that they summoned demons to accomplish magical deeds and that they changed from human to animal form or from one human form to another. They also believed that animals were the spirit family of witches and that these witches rode through the air at night to secret meetings and orgies. So that's obviously what's <laughs> All going of on. the things that it's, are terrible in their mind. Yeah, that's obviously what they're doing. Um, and what's, it's funny because there were probably people during this time period who did worship the devil and it did, you know, practice some sort of black magic mm -hmm. or something. Uh, there were probably people that had harmful intent at this time, too. You know, that's always going to exist in our society. Mm -hmm. um, but there were probably not anybody, like, going to the woods and having, like, woodland orgies with birds and, like, wolves and stuff. I, yeah, I feel like... Happened, you know, more than, like, once or twice. Like, I feel I, like it's just too far. And um, I don't... Yeah, a lot of these people, you know, they were... This was their only you know, experience in culture, like, as their, for their whole life, you know, it's not yeah. like, it's not like they're like, well, I saw, what's her name on Instagram from California doing this, so, and I want to be like her, so I'm going to go over there and be like her instead, like Puritan, like they wanted to be good Puritans, most of them, like mm -hmm. it seems like they, and a lot of them were, it was so set in their minds, like, but a lot of them were, but it didn't mm -hmm. mean they were not a hidden witch, you yes, know, that's exactly. the thing, it's yeah. just so crazy, um, so now we're going to go ahead and talk about Sarah Good in all this mass hysteria that's going on <laughs> around her. So she was not born a beggar woman. She was actually born the daughter of a well-to-do tavern owner. And she was one of his nine children. So very big family. Wow. And then when she was 17 years old, her father committed suicide. So... Oh. His 70-acre estate was valued around 500 pounds, and he didn't leave a will. At the time of his death, he was one of many family members who were in land disputes around Salem. So he's already fighting for mm -hmm. this land that he owns. The estate was divided mostly between his widow and two sons, and only a small percentage went to his seven daughters. So. Because daughters. But even this small amount of money was denied to the girls by their mother's new husband. He said no, because women shouldn't get that. You so have to get Sarah, married to find any security in life. Yeah. So Sarah was left with uh, no money, no dowry, no prospects, and she ended up marrying an indentured servant named Daniel Poole, who left her heavily in debt when he died soon after the wedding. And then to make matters worse... The small portion of land that she got um, was lost in a lawsuit 
So her her late husband had creditors coming mm-hmm. after him, and so like the one thing she did have got taken. Wow. Um. So just kind of really down on her luck over and over again. It seems, but she did get married again. Um, and that's how it worked back then. You kind of had to like you as a female, like you weren't. You couldn't just be this desolate beggar woman. Like, you had to kind mm-hmm. of get married. That was just, it was a different time. That was the expectation of everybody. Um, but her new husband sold the remainder of the land that, that they had. And men made all the decisions back then. So she didn't really get any say right. in it. It left them extremely impoverished and homeless. They were forced to beg from households in Salem. So that wasn't great. And I guess she was pretty pissed off about it all. Mm-hmm. So when they say she had a bad attitude, like... She was seemed very... Like, she got very resentful. It kind of feels like it's justified. Like, she's had I a really so. sh- shitty hand in life. Um, but there was one couple who said she was so unpleasant, like, that she was always unpleasant whether she received charity or not. So even when people were next mm-hmm. to her, she was still unpleasant, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this couple gave her a place to stay for a while, and they said she was so turbulent a spirit, <laughs> spiteful, and so maliciously bent, that they put her out in the streets. So, I'm interested to see her chart and see mm-hmm. what, well, how is they perceiving her? It's interesting. Um, so she was looked down upon, too, for not going to church, mm-hmm. even though her reason for not going is she didn't have the right clothes. She didn't have proper attire. Yeah, to you wear. can't. That would have been a big deal, even if she showed up. Yeah. And even her new husband didn't stand up for her. He mm-hmm. said that he thought she was a witch um, due to her bad carriage towards him, which is interesting. Oh, yeah. So I he didn't like her to him, him, I think. He didn't like her demeanor, mm-hmm. and he felt like she didn't meet his expectations as a wife. And she was accused because she challenged Puritan values. She was mm-hmm. accused of possessing those two girls um, and two other women. Goodness. The afflictions that the women suffered were sporadic and inexplicable. And it intensified when one of these suspected witches came close to them. That was the whole, like, thing. We'll talk later about all the ways mm-hmm. to know whether or not you're a witch. Like, I have all the tests listed out, and they're pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. We're going to test maybe ourselves. Yes, we're going to test ourselves and see if we're witches. <laughs> um, so, Sarah Good was the first to be interrogated, and she held her innocence the entire time. She was mm-hmm. the mother of a four-year-old daughter named Dorothy Good. And Dorothy was actually imprisoned for five months and forced to testify against her mom. She was only five years old by this time. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and Sarah was fucking pregnant while they did all of this to uh-huh. her. Mm-hmm. So Judge John Hawthorne, this is a lot, this next little piece, a lot of this is from actual transcripts. So he directed all the children to confirm whether Sarah was the person that hurt them. And of course they said it was her. Mm-hmm. He asked Sarah, he interrogated her about why she had tormented these poor children. And she responded by saying, this is a direct quote and I love it. What do I know? You bring others here and now you charge me with it. So he ended up proclaiming that Sarah was responsible for the crime she was accused of and that she was indeed a witch. And according to the Mm -hmm. transcripts, Sarah only vaguely referred to the other accused women during her interrogation. She never named anybody. Mm -hmm. Basically, she did it in a way that, like, just deflected blame from herself, but didn't blame anybody else. I don't think she wanted to put that on anyone else. Mm -mm. Um, 
Obviously not. Yeah, and the, yeah. even when he questioned her, like, well, you have all these other people on trial for witchcraft here. Why do you assume that it was me? And she doesn't, she doesn't, he goes, well, then who? And, uh-huh. then, and then she doesn't give any names. So. Yeah. Like, she doesn't just throw the buck to somebody else. That's called a ride or die right there. That's mm-hmm. that's the type of friends you want, um, first of all. Mm. So, um, yeah. But that wasn't the best uh, choice for her in her own self-interest. So, she was pregnant at the time of her arrest. She gave birth to an infant in her jail cell, but her infant child died before Sarah was hanged at the age of 39. So, Sarah Good was executed on July 19th, 1692, along with four other women. And members of the household were all started, all managed to survive the whole episode, including Tichuba. She was released from jail a year later. And then her slave owner, the minister Sam Paris, paid uh, her prison fees and sold her. So, that's what happened to her. Now we're going to talk about the witch hunt. So, this part's kind of fun. Here we go. There were specific tests that you had to perform and pass to be determined as a witch or not a witch. They were a little bit weird, so kind of get ready. I guess trigger warning in case, I don't know. This is kind of weird. <laughs> I don't really know. Some things are weird enough. Yeah. I mean, some of this is weird. Okay. So, or cruel. Just simple cruel. things could mean you were a witch. So if you couldn't recite the Lord's Prayer accurately, mm-hmm. you were a witch. Amy, can you recite the Lord's Prayer? If I know which, I'm not sure which one they consider to be. No, the Lord's Prayer. Like, oh, it is. Yeah, uh, not worth it I recited anymore. it out I loud. To. I recited it out loud this morning to see if I could do it. Oh, how does it start? Again? Our Father who art in heaven. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily You're bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but But deliver us from from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Wow. Yes. Okay. So I guess we're not with you. It is so in my brain. Right? Isn't that crazy? Once I got the first Mm -hmm. couple words, yep. I did the same thing this morning and I said it out loud and I was like, I was religiously programmed as fuck. Who should know that? It's Um, crazy. I've got probably the whole Bible memorized somewhere Mm -hmm. in my subconscious because I did Awanas and I have all the awards. Yo, man. I went to Awanas sometimes. Mm. They didn't have it at my church, but they did at the Baptist church down the way. Mm. I, yeah, that's church time. So, anyways. If you can't do that, you're probably a witch, apparently. All right, so that's one. We got one. We got one. Okay, we're going to do all the tests for you live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not all of them, actually. That one was pretty normal. Um, so, women were the primary targets of the witch trials, about 80%. Um, of those who were accused were women. But some men found themselves accused as well. And the women who were accused were typically very strong-minded. Once again, I'm sure the men folk were very upset. So now the next test. We, we can't really do this one for you. It's called the swimming test. Sounds simple, right? So for this, an accused person would have their finger tied to the opposite toe. And then they would be lowered into the water. So they're like hovering you down, I'm assuming. Like, like both hands, you think? It, was? it says one hand. Oh, one hand. So yeah. Like you opposite? Be... Yeah. I feel, yeah. Opposite arm, opposite leg, probably, to make it kind of weird. Yeah, it's that opposite. Yeah, yeah. So that. Um, and then wow. you're lowered into the water. And if you sank, you're not a witch. But if you floated, like, you're very definitely a witch. Um, the problem is that a lot of people drowned because they were left in the water too long to see if they sink afloat. So, 
Uh, probably not not Horrible. a very effective witch test. So now here we also, go. Also, also pretty dependent on how what your weight is. Correct, and your body fat, mm-hmm. your body like composition. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay, you ready for yes. what I think is yes. probably the weirdest one? This one made me laugh. Um, the cake test sounds like a really fun test. Uh, it's not. So it involved baking a regular cake out of rye flour, but it also included the afflicted person's urine. Next, they would feed this cake with pee-pee in it to a dog. And they, again, believed that dogs were connected to evil. It's fascinating. Um, so I'm wondering if they know the mythological story of Hecate. That was one, I don't know if, like, mythology Maybe. existed before all this shit. So, sure. Right, it just depends on what had really gotten through their rumor mill. Right. And, like, made it to the people that wrote these books and were really, like, gung-ho about like, uh, Puritan down, you beliefs. Know? Like, Puritan leaders, I'm sure, were... Anyways, go ahead. Yeah, but Hecate's amazing. Oh, so actually, they... no, the lady who... who um, so who suggested that uh, test, she um, was also... Got she got like uh, expelled from the church or whatever, dismissed from the excommunicated. church, excommunicated. Because yeah, I remember reading about she, that. She, yeah, she, um, even they though they were like, the You're a witch because she's doing witchy stuff. It was a witchcraft witch. type of test, to and find then a witch. even if the witchcraft was for a good reason, they couldn't allow it. They were like, Hey, hey, no, you're clearly a witch because you know about this, yeah. So, but then they were still like, Let's use this test, also. <laughs> Let's also, it feels effective, <laughs> let's proceed. <laughs> That's what happened. I know it's insane. Um, Go ahead. So anyway, this test was to see if the dog who ate the cake would start to have the same symptoms and fits. Um, Mm -hmm. And weird, like, I guess so if that happened, the dog would reveal the witch. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if they, like, go up to the witch. I I don't know. I don't really understand that part. Um, So adding to this trigger warning, you already said this earlier, but even animals could be accused of witchcraft. Mm -hmm. Dogs were at the top of the suspect list, and that breaks my heart. Many of them were Mm -hmm. accused and executed. It's just very fucked up. It is. Yep, that's in there. I would hope to think, like, maybe they had rabies, maybe, like, they came down with something that made them seem sick that they would die from anyway. Let's let's tell ourselves that. Let's tell ourselves that. Don't know. Okay, this... Now we're going to do another... We're going to do this test. This one we can actually do. The touch test. Sounds like a good time. So for this (laughs) one... They actually believed that if the accused witch touched the afflicted person, the fits would suddenly stop. And what do you know? It worked every single time. Can you imagine? Like, they have a fit. Uh-huh. They would end immediately. Oh, my God. I'm going to get executed. That's how it went. That's how it went. That's exactly how it went. Also, Wouldn't you think that would be the opposite? Like, God's power healed them from their... their Fit. The witch's <laughs> evil healed them is what happened. I don't... Like, the one who started it can uh-huh. stop it. Like, you uh-huh. have to... I don't... Okay, I don't have know. a fit. Ready? Okay, is my turn? Okay. Go. Oh. Oh, I'm good now. Wow, it's fine. It's fine. I'm right. fine. All right. You know what? I was fine the whole time, actually. Uh, <laughs> Me too. I would love a sandwich. <laughs> um, so, this one would be ridiculous if we did it. <laughs> we would have to do this for Patreon. Door-to-door witch hunters. <laughs> We just kept knocking on doors. Um, we're not we're not Mormons. We're here on a witch hunt, actually. So I've had a lot of people come to my door. Well, then it, why shouldn't we go to doors? That's exactly what we should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a crew that just shows up. They're literally going around asking people to accuse their neighbors. Though they weren't saying, "Are you a witch?" They were saying, mm-hmm. 
Do you know who around here is the Pure suspicion. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's mm-hmm. fine. Um, the next is the Devil's Mark. We're totally going to do this on our Patreon. Mm-hmm. We'll find some Devil's Marks. Mm-hmm. So basically, um, the Devil would make a physical mark on your skin. In reality, these were lesions or birthmarks. Uh, mm-hmm. But they would search the bodies of the accused and inspect them for anything that could be this mark. Mm-hmm. So do you have any birthmarks? Yeah. So, <laughs> therefore, we're witches. So we should be tallying like which... One more. Oh, you do up. Oh, you're mm-hmm. clearly a witch. It's the devil's mark. Right uh-huh. It's visible too. Like you're so All proud right. of it. You're so proud of it. I love it. You should big tattoo. one on my thigh too. You should tattoo an arrow. Hyperpigmentation. Like get an arrow tattoo that says devil's mark. Devil's mark. Yeah, that's what I would support that. Okay. okay. I'll have to think about it. The next one on here is the spectral evidence, which literally is just people saying that witches came to them as ghosts and beat them. Poke them, scratch them, or attack them. There was no evidence to support any of these claims. But again, no evidence was required during the Salem witch trials. A simple accusation was all a person mm-hmm. needed to find themselves on trial. And the um, guy that allowed this to be used in the courts, because at first people were like, oh, I don't know if we should allow this in the courts or not. What is Jesus? What is the God? What is, oh my God, I can't say things. What does God think? Um, what does God think? You know, this? and it's uh, good old. Good old Cotton Mather was like, yes, God allows it, pretty much. <laughs> um, um, I think someone else. Yeah, there was a judge. His name was John too. something. They were John, all named John Hathorne, no, John him. Corwin, John Hale. There's so many Johns. I think it's John Sampson, maybe something. I don't know. There are Anyways, too many Johns. There's so many simple names. There's too um, many. But, but anyways, there are the, some leaders in the Puritan group decided yes god would allow spectral evidence yeah and now we're going to get into the trials so they were not like trials that we might imagine today that we see today there was nothing based on evidence once again it's just based on hearsay and accusations and the accused were typically tortured into some form of confession so Mm -hmm. those who confessed again were not usually killed but those who denied being a witch were severely punished and made an example of they didn't have lawyers. They were tried by a jury of their peers, but these peers were all wealthy landowners. They were all Puritans of the higher classes. Um, so yeah, it wasn't very fair. Um, and witchcraft was initially outlawed by the Witchcraft Act passed in the UK in 1542. It made witchcraft punishable by death. Mm-hmm. So. More of these laws are written over the next hundred years, and that was what was supporting the arguments for how mm-hmm. these trials went. So they were kind of basing it off this existing law in the UK. Uh, land re- removal was another punishment for the accused, which mm-hmm. is so convenient, right? Mm-hmm. Um, leaving people in desperate conditions, put them in a state of extreme poverty mm-hmm. back then. It's really terrible. And anyone who spoke out against the movement was also considered a witch. So you couldn't be an advocate. You couldn't stop mm-hmm. it. Like, you were just going to throw yourself yeah. in the hot seat. Like, again, you were better off accusing uh-huh. people and, and getting it. going along with things. Yep. Yeah. You were safer to do it that way, which is nuts. Uh, it just encouraged this, like, mass hysteria, overwhelming groupthink behavior, really wild. People will do things in a group that they would never do on mm-hmm. their own as individuals. It's psychologically proven. Um, and you see it. 
still today, like that's not a thing that has ever died out. So really, mm -hmm. really fascinating. If you think about an angry mob, um, there's this like de-individuation that goes on and mm -hmm. everybody's kind of removed. Like they're not acting as a solo person. They're part of the group so they can kind uh -huh. of hide and like get away with more. It just really encourages some dangerous behavior when you get like that group think mentality happening. But those who were not executed, they still had really harsh punishments. They were imprisoned. And if they didn't have enough money to pay for their own food in prison, which mm -hmm. most of them didn't, they were only given bread and water. And the conditions of the prison were disgusting. They were unspeakable. Like, it was overcrowded. Like, really, really bad times. Like, their jails were not equipped for all these people to be in there. Um, mm-hmm. And one surprising fact about the Salem witch trials is that no one was ever burned at the stake for being a witch. This is a myth. Mm -hmm. um, this happened back in medieval Europe, mm -hmm. but not in Salem. So the most common way people were put to death for witchcraft in Salem was hanging. But it was not the merciful kind. These ropes were very short. Um, so the accused actually died by strangulation, which is horrific because this happened in front of a crowd. People are literally watching people, you know, get strangled and die of asphyxiation. So there were a few other torture methods used, including severe beatings and something called pressing, which I mentioned at the very beginning. And it's as fucked up as it sounds. So people who were pressed to death were placed on their back with a board on top of them. From there, heavy stones would be piled on top of the board until the person died. Uh, it's just horrific. They did this to an 81-year-old man, which oh. totally breaks my heart. Um, Good old Giles? Yep. I was going to say it was like Giles or Giles. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's him. Yeah, it might be Giles. I, I'm not sure. You read my mind. Um, I, they said Giles on all of the documentaries. All right. But I don't know. Uh, but him. Yes, terrible. Nobody was safe throughout this whole thing. Um, and even devout churchgoers were accused. Again, anybody who tried to stop the trials was, you know, immediately put on trial. But then things started to level off when the governor's wife was accused of being a witch. This was mm -hmm. like the beginning of the end, really, because he knew this was ridiculous. He immediately put a stop to everything. He ended the trials, like, right away. And it's crazy how one person with authority was able to step up and end this entire shit. Like... <laughs> it's wild. It, all it took was one person going, nope, mm -mm, stop it. Nope, you've gone too far. Uh -huh. Not my wife. That's it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yep. And then all of a sudden he changed his tune. We don't mm -hmm. care about spectral evidence anymore. Yeah. <laughs> None of that exists anymore. Everything ended. And oh. so did the fits. And so did the hysteria. So now we're going to talk about some lighter pieces of this. this what is was just, his name again? Don't remind me which one he was. The judge Giles. that changed. Oh, wait, the guy that changed stuff? He changed my... I oh, I didn't say his name. Oh, I, I think it's Phipps it or Stoughton. I don't remember. I have it in my notes. I'll find it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I tried to only talk about the main people if it was like... It was William Phipps. Okay. Yes. Go ahead. Good for him. Good job, William. <laughs> um, so, the aftermath. So interesting. What is known today as Gallows Hill was the site of most of these executions in Salem. It's a location known as Proctor's Ledge. 
but there's been a lot of dispute over where the hangings took place over the years. They finally, like historians, have finally like done a lot of uh, investigating and figured it out. Mm -hmm. um, but they really didn't know for a long time. They were piecing mm -hmm. it together from these excerpts of people's diaries mm -hmm. of where they were facing and saying like, so-and-so that lived in this house could see it from her mm -hmm. window. And they were like, okay, well, where would that be? Mm -hmm. Like, it was wild how they like pieced it all together. I watched a documentary about how they pieced it together. And I just saw a clip. It. A clip about like the guy who owned the property, like talking about it with somebody. It might have been a clip like from the interview. documentary it I might actually watched because it's from the Smith, the Smithsonian Channel. Wow, the one that and it was a long documentary, but I watched it. it was really good. Um, so and then still to this day, nobody knows where many of the accused people were buried because they weren't allowed to have Christian burials. They were witches, so they you know that was not allowed. Um, we do know that they were buried in mass graves and not as individuals, which is really sad to me. Um, but it's rumored that some of the victims' families came to get the bodies of their loved ones in the middle of the night and stole them to give them proper burials. Wow. I doubt that happened with Sarah. But. Yeah, but, I mean, it's just really sad to think about thinking about going into, like, a pile mm -hmm. of bodies and trying to find, like, your your mom and, like, oh, it's horrific. Like, Oh, my heart goes out to anyone that had to do that. It's just awful. Um, and then, really, really fun ending here. We're going to talk about Salem today. So I really wanted okay. to know kind of what's Uplifting. going on there now. And I watched a whole tourism video. This was awesome. Like, I watched so I really many cool go. documentaries. We should go mm -hmm. because there's so much cool shit. Let me tell you mm -hmm. what all we're going to do when we go to Salem. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, and we're going to ask our listeners to meet us there. We're going to have a dark alignment party in Salem, Massachusetts. A meetup. A meetup. Mm -hmm. We're going to do a DA meetup. <laughs> so, today they have the infamous Salem Witch Museum. So, we got to go. Um, you can also watch a reenactment play, probably the one you started, mm -hmm. um, because it's been going on for 47 years. They've been reenacting this for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. I would love to see it. Mm. So, there's in the museum, they have this big, huge, like red circle in the middle of it, like in the floor, mm -hmm. and it has the names of the 20 victims of the Salem Witch Trials inside of it. And it's like all lit up and it like talks and it's like interactive. It's kind of spooky. I thought it was really, really cool. Um, I definitely want to see that. So look up pictures of that. It's really, really cool. I'll try to share them on okay. like our story and stuff. Um, but Salem also has a lot of cool metaphysical shops and witch shops right up our alley. Mm -hmm. I definitely want to go now. Um, but I watched the documentary. It was a whole tour of Salem. It's, uh, oh, I wrote down which one it is. Sci-Fi Wire on YouTube. It was dope. Wow. It was really dope. Um, I'd love to take a tour and just feel the energy there. So here's where I talked about um, Samantha from Bewitched at the beginning. Okay, okay. So they actually have a statue of her in Salem, which made me lose my mind when I saw it. I love Bewitched. It was so good. It was one of my favorite I shows. I liked it, too. Um, a few episodes were actually filmed in Salem back in the 1960s, and that caused a little bit of a tourist attraction. Uh -huh. It actually made Salem a destination for people who were fascinated by its history. Uh -huh. The town had always been really ashamed of it before this, and now it's like their identity. And it was because of uh -huh. this filming of the show Bewitched that's what made it so different. That's when all the touristy wow. things started going up. They started catering to that uh -huh. tourism that they weren't really prepared to have, and then they were like, let's just own it. Yeah. So... Now Salem is actually the home of the Church of Satan, 
and the leaders say on record that everyone has been welcoming and supportive. I really like the concept of acceptance mm -hmm. and community support. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't matter what you believe in. I love that this is awesome support going on. It makes me happy. And the irony of Salem mm -hmm. is that this once Puritan, overly religious town is now its polar opposite. <laughs> It's everything they wouldn't have wanted. It's the capital of witchery, and that's fucking cool when you consider the contrast. It was a place of hate, mm -hmm. and now it's a place of acceptance. So oh, that is the Salem Witch Trials. We've got some bitches to chart and some charts to bitch. So <laughs> that's how it goes. All right. Ah! That was my first time, you guys. We just popped my recording button, Cherry. I she hit, hit record. The I hit time. the button. Thank you for suggesting it. It was really empowering <laughs> while also making me feel very anxious and scared. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't have to get up this time. Okay. All right. Well, let's go and hit those charts. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. All right. Shushing myself. Let's hit these charts. So there's, there's some things that... Um, I need to address, I just had like 10,000 thoughts went through my mind, hold on. Um, okay, so first of all, the witch trials is obviously a lot of people, and there are, I did pull a lot of charts, anyone that I could get their birth information, um, but just keep in mind, you know, we're not gonna be going through the entire chart of everyone, I'm gonna give you some highlights um, so that we can cover more quantity. Um, and then, also with these charts, the, there are no birth times <laughs> and I don't have any hanging times. The only thing I saw as far as for the death charts was like, um, in the night when the hang, hangings were done, you know, yeah. something like that. I was like, well, you know, they could have been just doing it all day. I don't know. We have like month, day, year, um, and then they would like hang four, mm -hmm. four or five people at once. Mm -hmm. And I would assume consecutively, but it would take about 20 minutes for each of them to die because they were mm -hmm. dying of strangulation. Or it wasn't breaking necks. their, oh, no, they, wasn't? What, no, they were short hung. Oh. The ropes weren't long enough to break their necks. So they just hung there for 20 fucking minutes and strangled. That's terrible. They all died of strangulation. I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah, I wow. mentioned it in the story. I must have. Briefly. I blanked I think, out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or was typing something. I think so. I think but, we were taking a wild. serious note. But yeah, they were hung with such short ropes that it didn't break any of their necks. They just they died of strangulation. Horrible. So yeah, it was and in front of a crowd, so people mm -hmm. watched it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I watched so the reenactment, and that was hard to watch. Fuck. And then, um, and that was all fake and, you know, everyone was, they were done in like 10 seconds, you know, they, but it was very, uh, just to think like what if, it would be like in real life. If they had done an accurate reenactment in each person, <laughs> that'd be a solid hour of people faking their death and that would be really hard to watch. I don't think that would sell. It would not do well. Yeah, it would not do well. I don't blame them. I just... I just to like then think about oh it'd be even worse. In yeah, your it's life. like wow. Okay, I don't know. It made me laugh mostly because it was such a, like a horrible thought. Like I was like this can't. It's obviously like nobody would reenact that, but the thought of an audience being like I'm horrified and like this is like overly. It seems like something you'd see in like a comedy sketch where it's like uh -huh. they go to a bad play, but it's like they overdid it. Actually, the Adams Family yeah. Values. There's a scene like that really? where um, the kids are in this play. And they had a death scene, and uh, Wednesday has like real blood, like and it's like splattering out. Like it's wow. it's like a whole thing, and the audience gets covered in blood, and everybody's like horrified except the parents are like 
<laughs> so good. Anyway, that's so. Okay. Watch. I've watched a lot of Adam's Family. This I haven't week. watched that much. Okay. Anyway. So, anyways, again, there's no birth times. There, so we have like no, no houses, no mid heaven, no, um, no uh, uh, words, Arabic parts, uh, nothing like that. Um, I also had to use since these charts are all from the 1600s and 1700s that I pulled are um, too far back on my typical program I use to pull charts. So I had to go to another place to get the charts made. And then um, there was uh, some other issues with that, but I they also hey. don't use very many asteroids and I, I couldn't figure out how to get them to include more. Uh, so we have like Chiron and I think that's it. Really? Um, as far as asteroids go, so just keeping all of this in mind as I'm as I'm going through these charts. Um, and we then, both had to do a lot of out of our wheelhouse type research for this. Oh, so episode. much! This so was much. like um, it really fun turned challenge. into a challenging thing mm -hmm. to um, work on. Uh, and then when you when you pull this many charts, and then you go, you realize halfway through, or seven or seventy five percent of the way through, that like. Oh, actually, I should have done it this way, and then you have to go back and do oh, all of them again. And so it's very, um, yeah. So there's there's definitely some things that if you know I ever had a chance to like look into it again and get more information, I would love to. But for now, this is what we have. I do have a lot. We put a lot um, of uh, new mm -hmm. types of research in this episode, so I hope you guys yes. are enjoying it. We have had a lot of fun doing it, it so far, and yeah. So, uh, last thing about these charts is, uh, I'm not sure how many people would know this, um, but between 1500 and 1700, people were changing from the Julian calendar to the, Gre the Gregorian calendar, or the, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Um, but basically what it does is it calculates um, the leap years differently. So during oh, any time... Oh, this when all this happened. Yeah, but it counts for more than that. So it was accounting for... It depended on what different areas people were in for which calendars they were using. Ah. Um, because it was like a slow rollout, it seems like to me. Um, yeah, but I uh, I forgot to mention the leap year thing. I'm always obsessed with leap years. I've talked about it a lot on the podcast. So one of the oh, documentaries yeah. I was listening to today, I, it was while I was driving, so I couldn't make a note of it. It made me remember. Mm -hmm. But um, like some of the, like the first accusations and first things started happening in February. I heard February wow. 29th, and I was like, oh, leap year. Like that's so, true. Yeah, so that's yeah. What, 29th February 29th was Sarah's arrest. That's warrant. right. Fucking mm -hmm. leap year. I don't, wow. it, it's just, I don't know. It doesn't really mean anything. I just always want it to mean, maybe it does mean something because we It also it. might depend on which calendar they were on too, but um, I February don't. February 29th only means leap year to my heart. So I'm just going to go with it and like be excited, even though it mm -hmm. might be completely inaccurate of. Like, I think it would make it a leap year because, well, actually I'm not sure. Because some of these dates are. So what I was getting at is that some dates given are on the Julian style, the old style oh. calendar, and some other dates are on the new style calendar, which would be the Gregorian whatever calendar. Um, okay, I see what you're saying. So it, when you look up some of these dates, sometimes it will label them and it will say parentheses O dot S dot. Um, 
and that would indicate the old style dating system um, before the calendar change and then it will also give a date sometimes for the new style which is in parentheses as NS um, after the calendar change uh, and then it seems like some of them maybe used both for some things. I don't know. It might have been like personal preference for a while. I, I didn't look into it super far. That's um, really, really interesting. But the, yes, the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar um, was enacted in various European countries between 1582 and the 20th century. Um, and so during these times too, I saw in another place that, uh, you know, just different parts of the world taking on at different times. Wow. Um, I'm sure you could find more information on that. Um, I pulled all of these charts on the Gregorian, Gregorian calendar <laughs> system. Uh, I, I did see that there was an option to use the Julian calendar on the program I used, but um, I did not do that because not all of them specify <laughs> which system they're dated right. with. Um, so there is a chance that it's, it roughly changes, um, it added like, or no, I took away seven, 11 days off of September for a particular year. Um, Whoa. and then I think that like reset it to, I don't, I don't know exactly. That's so wild. Um, so some, if the dates are incorrect, they'll be off by about 10 days. Um, so if you look up Sarah Good's birthday, you'll see July 19th and you'll see July 29th. And that's why. Uh, <laughs> Whoa! Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Like this is mm -hmm. just so cool. Thank you so much for sharing all this stuff. Like, well, it impacts the charts, obviously. Yeah, but that's just such cool insight. <laughs> I, had, I obviously didn't know any of this, mm -hmm. but this, that's fascinating. It's very fascinating, and I, I, um, I'm I will, so excited. <laughs> I will try to stick to the slower moving parts of the sky. Um, so I probably won't be talking too much about lunar placements, even though I would love to. I can talk about Sarah's, uh, with some certainty, but, um, I really can't with <laughs> the majority of these charts. Uh, anything, I'll be sticking to the things that move slower in the skies more so. Um, and just know that these charts could have some variance depending on how, um, Records were kept and, and things like yeah. that. So Understandably, mm -hmm. so this is from a long time ago, you guys. Mm -hmm. We can't really fact check <laughs> a lot of this, like with dates, times, Not and everything. the system is... Yeah. Um, we don't have I think there's times. a couple people that it said, he was born before the 15th of the month. And so it's like, okay. <laughs> I mean... I'll pick a date about a week before, and then I just won't look at any, like... Deep, like fast moving placements if I would need to look at this chart. So that makes sense. Uh, other places, other times there's not an a super exact place of birth, but we're not using houses anyway. So I think we should be pretty good on that. Um, very interesting. So yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, having said all of that, <laughs> let's see, why won't my, it's not keeping my, you better keep it. <laughs> Sorry, my note, my way I took my notes. It's being strange on my computer. Okay. You've done such a good job on your notes, though. And okay. these notes available on Patreon. I, I could put them on Patreon. Um, we usually put the charts on I haven't put notes. my notes on Patreon. We, we have yours. And yeah. I have my charts up there. 
But this is like a new style of notes that you've been doing for season three, mm -hmm. and it's very impressive. So that's gonna be, <laughs> yeah, Patreon. All right, so I want to give like an overview of like the time, um, because whenever we look at charts in different time periods, we want to look at some of those slower moving placements, the generational planets um, that will kind of establish like uh, the underlying. Um, worldview and like commonalities and structure like with Saturn and, and Pluto, it, it makes these broad themes underlying the society, um, which will obviously change a lot over um, different cycles and different times. So um, let's see there, just to give a setting of uh, what astrology's role was at this time. Um, We're getting so much history. Oh, I know. This, is, history <laughs> this is the setting of the 17th to 18th century, uh, you know, 1600, 1700. Um, this was the age of reason. Um, I have a little snippet from Astro Style. Uh, oops. Uh, the Protestant Reform Movement started in the mid-1500s, abetted astrology's decline. Later, rationalism became the popular consensus during the Age of Enlightenment from 1650 to 1780, which is our range of time. Yeah, that's right in the middle of our story. Mm -hmm. In Western European cafes and salons, emphasizing reason, or sorry, um, yeah, rationalism became popular. I'm not sure what this little blurb is. Um, <laughs> but more focused on reason, analysis, individualism, uh, it was a reaction to excessive superstition, authority, and control from institutions such as yep. the Catholic Church. Skepticism and <laughs> science were seen as a way to reform society and to bring back temperance and balance. Astrology was viewed as mere entertainment and not a valid science, and most astrologers worked under pseudonyms. Mm. Um, so astrology was on the decline. It was... It was also associated with witchy, witchcraft yep. and things like that. So. You can't be um, doing this witchy shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it also shows with, um, I pulled the chart for the start of the Protestant reform movement that they referenced at the beginning, uh, showing astrology's decline. Um, and it was interesting. We had, they had Saturn and Aquarius, which is when we tend to see like society viewpoints change yeah. and shift. Um, although Aquarius is, um, more to do with astrology, um, astro astrology is really associated with Aquarius. And I think it's interesting how you see these, uh, major, there's some squares, uh, from Saturn and Jupiter during this time and, um, or sorry, Saturn and Neptune showing like, um, people's like perceptions and ideologies around structures of Aquarius, like, um, like astrology being include one of those things and how they uh, were perceiving it, how they, how they felt, felt about it. This would definitely be a conflict energy that could bring up, um, some delusions around what it is and the illusions around what it is. And, um, also related to religion with Neptune. I think that that That's conflict really does represent some of this decline. Um, I then looked into the Age of Enlightenment chart, which is more the eight range when we're um, looking at these Salem witch trials. Like 1650, um, we see, um, let's see, 
Saturn has moved over into Gemini uh, along with Pluto. Seems like both of these charts have um, Saturn and Pluto in the same sign. Um, one was in Aquarius and now they're both in Gemini. Uh, something I thought was that was really fascinating was, um, I know a lot of people this over the past like year got really hyped up about the uh, Grand Conjunction. Yes. Um, Saturn-Jupiter Conjunction. So I, those happen about every 20 years. And they tend to go stick with one element and then they'll start to shift into another element. And the witch trials happened while the grand conjunctions were occurring in fire signs. Um, so I, I went through all of these charts by hand to figure out the years that these happened. Wow. Um, so we have, um, through from the Protestant reform movement, we have, um, the shift from them going from them being in water signs, it, moving into fire signs. So 1544 was the, uh, Grand conjunction is Scorpio, and then it starts going to fire signs as we hit mid 15th, 1500s. Um, like it, like it says, uh, 1564. Then it goes to Leo, it goes to a fire sign, um, and then in 1583 it has it in Pisces, which is the last water sign for quite a while. Um, and then 1603 Sagittarius, 1623 Leo. Wow. Uh, 1643 oh Aries. So this fire energy of these grand of these uh, grand conjunctions had really built up by the time we got to crazy. Um, 1663 Sagittarius, 1683 Leo, and this was while it was conjunct the North Node, and this is the exact time period we're looking. This 20 year uh, segment oh. is the time we're looking at. Mm -hmm. So 1683 Leo, and it was conjunct the North Node, which we see as I go through these, we're going to see a lot of stuff happening with. Uh, on what I like to call the drama cusp of Cancer ah, and Leo. <laughs> drama uh -huh. cusp. Um, I love that. 1702, it moved to Aries. Uh, 1722, Sagittarius. 1742, Leo. 1761, Aries. And I, uh, I kind of, I just stopped after that. But that is amazing. It, it just keeps going. Yeah, that's what it all does. All the so, rotating between all the fire signs. Mm -hmm. So magnification, this shows a magnification of Saturn's abilities. It shows as a grand star in the sky. So this really seemed like a big significant event to people um, as you're waiting for the slowest moving giant stars in the sky to come together. Um, like it, it usually brings this big culmination, right? Uh, it's a cycle that happens around every 20 years. It's celestial omen, uh, especially occurring... Um, immediately after one of its 200-year elementary ele elemental cycles, um, which is what we see it shifted into the fire elemental cycle during the, what we're looking at now. Um, so it'll be it would be in fire signs for like 200 years, That's and then so it wild. switches to another sign. I love it. It's very cool. Um, it operates in this system of f five trigons, and you can look more into that. Um, they're indicative of a paradigm shift. Uh, the great conjunctions are representative of a change in the structural foundation of a society at a core level. Uh, even greater importance was attributed to the beginning of a new cycle after all four trigons had been visited, uh, something which happens about every 800 years. Um, so when people were like, oh, this hasn't happened in 800 years, it was like, it was about the larger elemental cycles that 
uh, it had completed all four uh, elemental cycles and went back to air. So that's what they were referencing. Oh. Um, so since each element, trigon, consists of three signs, it's 800 times three, it's every 2,400 years for the whole process to start over completely. Um, and this is quoted from somewhere. I'm trying to find where that was. Um, it shows a lot of people refer to it as a portal into a new era. Um, so this this really showed a lot to me um, as we there was a big shift in people's perceptions of so many things. So many their worldview really did shift, and I think that their um, the culture shifted so much. The structure of society, which uh, Saturn would have a lot to do with. Um, Yeah. This is really cool. That's such a cool thing. <laughs> Very cool. Um, and then, oh, just, okay, I'm getting, I'm going to get ahead of myself. Um, <laughs> That's what notes are for. Like, I always want to get ahead of myself, and then I'm like, I've got notes to keep me from mm -hmm. jumping all over. Um, I wouldn't be able to do it without something to kind of keep me on track. It definitely helps. Uh, and we do see a lot of the hangings take take place um, with a lot of planets on the cusp of uh, Cancer and Leo. When we start looking into that, this time period also had. Um, let's see. No, I'll get to that in a minute. Um, <laughs> But when, when things are on that cusp, it, it makes it uh, where, if especially if really anything that's going to happen, but um, when things manifest through that energy, that sign energy, um, if it comes through at a low frequency, this can show very horrific and very public things taking place, like our Black Dahlia episode, or oh, yeah. she had a lot of that Libra or Leo energy, Cancer energy, and it came through like very public, so... Yeah. Um, that can definitely um, relate to this situation. It's really, really interesting. I love when you tie stuff back to like other stories where you see, you know, the that's one of the things shot. I get asked the most is mm -hmm. like, do you see the same things over and over? I mean, like kind of. I mean, we mm -hmm. see similar childhood stories. We see similar relationships with the mother. We mm -hmm. see a lot of the similar placements on charts. Like we see a lot of patterns. Like, <laughs> so mm -hmm. I love when we can tie that back. Yes. So... The hangings starting, um, this was kind of Cancer, Leo type season of the year. Um, also Pluto was moving over this cusp, which is a huge slow moving um, planet to be involved here and so intense and related to death and mysteries and um, like, oh, what are, what are the hidden things here? Um, <laughs> we're going to call out anything that's not working for us kind of attitude and with how moody and um, kind of going with the flow of feelings uh, cancer can be and how expressive and um, even uh, violent Leo energy can be. Um, really wanting to like put on the full performance of their feelings. You can really see how people could get caught up in the drama so easily, I yeah. think. Um, it's the perfect energy for that. Oh yeah. That's what it seems like. <laughs> Yes, very much so. And then also, you know, uh, Mercury was following through and uh, same area of the chart. Um, Chiron was in Gemini, uh, which I feel is pretty representative of some of the, the pain and trauma of this time. 
um, where people were looking at, well, who, um, who is like two-faced and people were, or everyone was really being two-faced in a way. I feel like a lot of gossipy pain, a lot of, um, just telling on small communities, like uh, Jim and I show small communities. Right. So this is um, not a huge, massive city, or it's not having to a whole nation. We're focusing on Salem right here at this time period. Uh, so this was a lot of like accusing your neighbor, which is very Jim and I. Kind of. Yep, that was um, literally what they asked you to do mm -hmm. when they came to your door. Like, mm -hmm. which of your neighbors are involved? Like, just mm -hmm. let us know. We're here to help, We're here <laughs> to help you. That's also where Uranus was during this year. Um, 1692, uh, Uranus was there, which can also represent like spontaneous, erratic, like um, things coming up, which Uranus is currently in Taurus for us now. So when it moves into oh. Gemini, I'd be curious to see how that shifts society a little bit. Um, because it'll have a lot to do more with like how we're talking about each other and talking about our friends and our neighbors and our cousins and our siblings and um, oh. basic like uh, education and common sense and being witty salesy interesting uh-huh um so i'm trying to think about like that energy mm -hmm. being in taurus right now and is it like real homey and stuff like, it has a lot like, it has a lot to do with like um, the virus like yeah. things coming into the physical plane um it has a lot to do with like uh seismic events like earthquakes and things oh, okay. like that so it's affecting earth energy at its basic level with Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Because um, I was trying to conceptualize mm -hmm. like how that manifests in our mm -hmm. in, in our energy right now. Yeah. I think to really appreciate that shift, it's like I I'm sure I have a post on it from a while back <laughs> when, when it moved into there. But um, let's see. Uranus and Gemini is a lot more like erratic kind of chats and gossip and all of that and it, but having it be too like an extreme like oh this you know it's kind of like if um sometimes when people have strong uranus placements i see a lot more like car accidents like jarring sudden things Whoa. which is very you know so it's kind of like things can be kind of moving along and uranus is the unpredictable factor um and so we know kind of what it will affect but we don't know how or how it'll kind of come through but we don't know when or so what like, is going to happen. Uh, we'll no one can out. fully predict Uranus energy. Okay. Um, I did know that. Yeah, so it's very, um, you know, I think this really does represent that energy of like, well, I'm just going to suddenly accuse my neighbor and it's going to be a whole thing to them, like out of out of the blue. And mm -hmm. it's just going to uproot their whole life, you know, so it's very... Um, if they even survive it. Yeah, if they even survive it. Mm -hmm. Gosh, that's nice. Um, Let's see, the south node was in Leo during this time, so I think all of this expression of our feelings and gossip and all of that, um, all of these things that are already also coming over to this area of the chart at this time, um, this is things that are not, um, like, in their best interest. A lot of times, south node is the type, type of thing that isn't serving you well or it, it kind of can bring out the... the less um like lower frequency things it can bring up th those a lot easier uh it's people being stuck in their comfort zone people being stuck in the past people being stuck in like not being able to move forward past something or to um an elevated level of something i think that a lot of this can show south node a lot of things with south node um aspects can show a lot of pain um where 
where we which we've talked about before with other charts. Yeah, we um, see a lot of South Node stuff going on. So the on, South Node so. was over this drama cusp as well at this time. Uh, the North Node was in Aquarius. Um, so the thing we, you can kind of see the message there, like the higher ele evolution of this energy during this time would have been to be uh, take on the Aquarian open-mindedness and trying to do mm. best. But I think that they did in their own way, which makes this so terribly terrible. Yeah, because all this boiled down to just like a single year. On the day that, um, should I go into the day Sarah Good was hung or should I do her things first? Because other people were hung that day. Yeah, since she was one of five. Mm -hmm. That day, yeah, let's go look at her as an individual, and then let's look at her in, like, that more collective. Afterward? Yeah. All right. Um, but there also seemed like there was another person hung back in June, on June 10th, um, probably on the Julian calendar. So I also pulled that chart. Um, and this chart shows uh, a lot of similar things because, it's, you know, it's just a... Right. A month ahead of time. <laughs> um, but, I mean, the main things that we want to look at are some highlights, I guess, for the Salem hangings um, time period, uh, especially when it was kind of starting off. Um, we had uh, Venus and Mars in and entering uh, Virgo, okay. uh, which can have a lot to do with judgment and perfectionistic beliefs and values uh, this is taking action on those wants and desires and values um, okay. and a lot of these can be very judgmental um, this has to do with like devotion um, to those as well um, there was one astrologer that talked a lot about um, this idea of things being on the Virgo and Pisces axis going on because oh. um, during this time we had, um, let's see, make sure I have my, then we had uh, Neptune in Pisces, which we have currently actually as well, which is why I, I, this person was also, I've noticed some people when Neptune went into Pisces, like came up with like telling this story again oh, so and relating it to connections. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. really cool. Because uh, Neptune moves pretty slow as well, so um, Neptune and Pisces has a lot. To, Pisces has a lot to do with that, um, like very spiritual energy. Um, like, oh, I just miss it here. Uh, compassion, otherworldliness, dreaminess, delving into other worlds and experiences. Uh, it's escapist also in that same right. Okay. Um, it's the last sign of the zodiac. It's the wisest, the the wisest soul experience. A lot about more soul level things. Um, the water signs are more like emotion soul based, um, and this is like the highest evolution of the soul and the zodiac uh, right uh, before ascension. Um, Pisces can be referred to as kind of like one foot out the door of life, um, kind of like one foot out the door of. Um, the 3D world we live in, you know? Hey, that's me. <laughs> I relate to that uh -huh. a lot. I feel like that is, yeah. And it brings a lot of intuition. It's kind of that idea of, like, uh, Pisces is kind of connected more to the, the veil and what's on the mm -hmm. other side of the veil. Scorpio is similar, but it's more to do with, like, life-death orienta orientation, yeah. where Pisces is more, like, 
ever present, ever present uh, energy, like boundlessness. Um, so having Neptune in its own sign, very um, telling of again, like the the focus on um, like the imagery and the artisticism and intuition, connection, God, spirituality, religion, um, connection to the divine is a bit, was a big thing, uh, moving through that time period. So having things going on in that Virgo Pisces cusp, um, let's see, I want to see how she phrased it. Cause I liked how she phrased it. Uh, she said like, this has to do with a lot of like man-made guilt, Virgo, Pisces, Axis, um, where it's very opposite what I just mentioned with Neptune and Pisces, where Virgo is literally what men, people or humans are um, cultivating and working on physically, on the very physical level. It also has to do with really being critical um, in certain ways and uh, people being critical of themselves as a as humans and you see a lot of that kind of man-made guilt comes through in the religious practices that were yeah. popular at that time like oh we're, we need to be puritans we need to be even more pure we need to deny deny our humanity even more because yeah. it is disgusting and anything of earth in fact is of the devil and it's all terrible and um <laughs> like anything that had to do with being um of this earth which is what virgo is like so blessedly right. connected to um was very like uh, intensified very like um, they were taking actions on those hard beliefs at that time um, so the person who said that she just goes by I couldn't find her name but the uprising community she has um, a thing focusing on Rebecca town nurse a little bit um, but uh, Pisces she says um, she also referenced this book called the Neptune book by Maurice Fernandez which was really cool um, he says, what is unknown and beyond control, Pisces, stands to oppose the need to manage and control Virgo. Um, squaring Gemini and Sagittarius, which is where we see um, those other placements in Gemini, which I mentioned, yeah. um, which were hard enough, um, represents the learning process that transforms the unknown into the known. However, no matter how much one learns, the unknown to Pisces is infinite. Forever putting the ego in the position of learning humbleness and trust. Um, hmm. So that's a more uplifting kind of yeah. take on it. But in this situation, it was it was not uplifting. <laughs> um, well, I, I, they did lift them to be hung. Uh, huh? on, on very short ropes. Huh? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Dark humor a little bit. Yeah, um, we have a lot of dark humor in here. And... <laughs> It's hard to be sorry about it because it's who we are. Mm -hmm. um, mm, there's, let's see, one person, uh, an astrologer, Dark Pixie Astrology, uh, found where Lilith was at the time, which is really interesting, especially as she's related to, like, often associated with, like, witchiness and right. um, female empowerment. I was going to say, she is and, that strong female uh -huh. that they would have been like, mm -mm -mm, no, mm -hmm. witch, don't you do it. Yeah, so. No. Mm -mm. Um, so there was um, Black Moon Lows, which was associated with the witch, uh, was in Pisces with Neptune at the time. 
Um, so this is really making it even stronger. And I'm sure, I think Lilith was not too long ago also in Pisces for us, too. Oh. Um, with, I think with Neptune at the same time. I, I'd have to go back and look, but I, I remember when Lilith went through my first house and I made a video and like I, I just remember that really clearly. It wasn't that long ago. Um, so it was the in there for most of 1692 all the way through mid-December. Black Moon Lilith, or mid-September. <laughs> I'm not sure what I said. Uh, Black Moon <laughs> Lilith can be a little dark. It can bring out anger with women, especially those who aren't submissive. Right. Um, hence the unrealistic fear of witchcraft that was predominantly aimed at women who didn't adhere to completely what the standards were for fem females in that day. Um, so again, that like mysticism and empowerment, females especially. Um, and then you see a lot of sexual themes coming up out of these illusions and delusions people were spinning, these fantasy stories people were spinning, um, which also relates to Lilith energy, that sexuality mm -hmm. component, and the Mars opposing it. Um, and Virgo, which Virgo can be a very sensual sign, uh, very like focused on, um, anyways, I don't need to get it on No, that, Virgo has like this Virgo. goddess, like, mm -hmm. you know, I have a strong and, Virgo placement and sometimes yeah. I feel like that placement's like goddess mm -hmm. energy and sometimes uh -huh. I feel like it's like more of the critical energy, but I feel mm -hmm. like it's both It can go through but... both and so having Mars and Venus there and I, I can see where the like yeah. smaller themes of sexuality are like running through this, this time. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of things, um, I think that, I think I'm going to move on. I could, I could keep talking about this, but I want to be able to get to some personal charts. Right. I'm ready to like, yes. I, I'm excited to see, like, mm -hmm. especially, uh, I think it was Cotton Mather that had just Ooh, such, yeah. he just had such an interesting story. Mm -hmm. He really does. I think I'm going to start with the afflicted girls though. Um, so first we have the afflicted girls, the, the charts that I have are Betty Paris, Abigail Perfect. Williams, Ann Putnam, and Mary Walcott. Oh, these are all really significant ones. I don't know about Mary. Mary's the one She's, I didn't find her much, mm -hmm. but Ann and Betty and obviously Abigail, those are like the big ones mm -hmm. that I was able to find good info on. Yes. So overall after, I'll actually I'll go through their, their birthdays real quick. Um, Betty Paris was the first with Abigail to have the fits and be diagnosed with bewitchment. Uh, she was born November 28th, 1682 in Salem. I, I believe this is Julian. Um, then uh, Abigail Williams was born July 12th, 1680 in Salem. Um, Anne Putnam was born October 18th. Uh, 1679 in Danvers and then Mary was born July 5th 1675 in Salem um, we have I think two of them are cancers we have a, a Libra or Scorpio depending on which oh, right. that uh -huh. plus minus situation yeah, yeah makes it makes things fun. real real awkward um, but we definitely have two so cancers, two cancers and out. a Scorpio and then um, Either I think I think a Pisces or no sorry what did I say Libra I mean uh, and then there's another um, there's someone who's on the cusp of Scorpio and Sagittarius Oh yeah the twenty eighth uh huh yeah so with this we see a lot of water and air signs um, which makes 
kind of sense to me. I don't, I didn't see too, I didn't feel like they would be earth signs or, or water, or sorry, uh, or fire as much so. Um, they're, those signs are more sensitive to the energies around them and picking up on, in, on vibes. Um, and it would seem so much out of character compared to their typical demeanor. Like, I feel like a fire sign would be more likely to be like, ah, I'm going to do something. But yeah, um, no, they might not be right. taken seriously like these girls were. Uh, like, oh, something is really wrong, you know? Um, yeah, that's an interesting point. And then as far as commonalities on their charts, they all had Chiron, conjunct Uranus, and Aries. All of them? Yeah, but they're all young oh, and born okay, roughly, so. All right. um, I forget, mm -hmm. I forget this. But this is also a small town. We're not talking about, like, the whole world of people, so. Um, you know, I don't know how many others in their community have this placement or not. Yeah. Um, but Chiron, conjunct Uranus, and Aries, um, it, on, it can indicate that your desire for freedom um, and carving out your own life as you like it is not supported by others. Uh, this is that quotes from an advanced astro. Um, I, I feel like this is, can really bring up spontaneous traumas in life, uh, but also spontaneous healing um, in the same right with Chiron. So um, really like jarring, like upheaval type um, traumas for these people. And in Aries shows that they're, it's more aggressive energy. It's, mm -hmm. it's Mars fueled. So, um, it, it can show um, very um, like combative type energy coming through. Uh, it denotes an early experience of not being able or allowed to exert yourself when, or maybe even not having the ability to. Um, it could cause like physical um, things with your individuality or your, your body. Um, Interesting. These uh, themes are very unable very... to fight is a, is a big phrase. Okay. Chiron and Aries, and then with Uranus, it could be suddenly not able to fight, which I think that uh, there really wasn't anything these girls can do. So faced in that situation, um, I think it it really makes sense how with their charts energetically they fell into this um, situation of the time. Uh, this can show vulnerability in accepting themselves, uh, going for what they want, taking the lead. Uh, it can show issues with uh, those things as well as um, like issues with sports, health issues with the head, brain, face, things of like Aries okay. first, first house. And then being so next close to Uranus, I think this also would tie into like the community and altruism and individuality and like society. Um, themes with Uranus and versus individuality so um they all had that aspect and then um I also saw Neptune sextile Uranus on all of their charts um this brings in an innate spontaneity able to call upon this internal support system that they would have in, in themselves of being like more erratic and relying on illusions um, oh, to no. move through life. This can be someone who lies very quickly. Oh no! Um, this could be someone who could also maybe tell like a bedtime story really fast, like come up with that off. You okay. know, like so you it's know, like a creative something... imagination uh -huh. or like a really active imagination, as they would say yeah. about some kids. Like 
Uh-huh. Oh, she just has such an active imagination. And it would come on, it could come, with Uranus energy, it could come on just like a lightning bolt. Like, okay. very, like, oh, suddenly I've got all of this, these things that I could, this whole fantasy, this whole illusion up out of nowhere. Um, but uh, you could also, you know, make the debate for some mental illness to, it, things with Uranus and Neptune aspects in general. Um, this can also bring an idealized sense of individualism and in society um, with Neptune being like, oh, I, I dream of something like this. Uh, let's see. Astromatrix mentions uh, such people would support an idea of freedom of information causes, believing that the state should be a servant of the people and not the other way around. It has this kind of anti-establishment attitude. Um, and I think that this okay, does... The idea is it here. It's more. Mm -hmm. It has a lot to do with like Neptune being like related with God and and their connection to the divine with spirit, whatever they, you know, obviously God for them, um, and <laughs> connection between that and Uranus, which is like individualism and the people, uh, our society, how we, um, yeah, and what we're how we're going to handle these situations too, being so jarring. So divisive was the word uh -huh. I kept getting in my. Research, divisive, very mm -hmm. divisive energy. Yeah. So, and the last thing on their charts I saw in common, Mars was aspecting Neptune in each of theirs. Uh, they had different ones, and I, I, when I went through, it kind of made sense with the order that they happened in. Really? Um, so, and also how they felt about the situation later, um, their actions later. Um, where I th believe the one who apologized was the one who had a square between these two planets on her chart. Uh, late, later in life, she apologized. Right, as and like she an adult. It. Okay. Uh huh. Um, but Mars aspecting Neptune, this brings a lot of a lot more. Um, well, I'll keep in mind that Neptune is also sextiling Uranus in all of their charts. So, with that, it brings a strange erotic kind of action and movement so the fits mm, with how, okay. how things are happening um related the fits would be the action the mars part of this equation with what i just mentioned earlier with all of this neptune and uranus lies and fantasies and all of that going on um and even if they believed it it's an illusion it's something that right. was going on it could have been going on very well to them i don't know um, it's like a, it feels like almost like a hallucination that got like completely exaggerated and they actually believed it was happening. Like, it, very, yeah. That happens a lot to people with mental illness mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, somebody will experience a, an episode mm -hmm. and go through like hallucinations or have auditory hallucinations and they actually believe that that is real and they act on it. Mm -hmm. I think this is more of like a social collective. Mm -hmm. And we talked about that. It was bit. so much emphasis already put on yeah. religion and having that already determined, like, that Neptune, Neptunian-type God influence on their day-to-day -day life mm -hmm. already, like, in their entire lives like and every, every action they take and every thought they think. And, like, they already were kind of caught up in that. Like, you're not pure. You're not pure. Like, uh -huh. constantly having this message and then, like, having that fear of not so being So it only pure took this just... extra little bit it yeah. really sparks something that's really fascinating to mm -hmm. so examine on the chart yeah um cliff cliff crits the flame frank frank clifford <laughs> clifford the big red dog that's where my mind wanted to do um, same 
the when he says when Mars meets Neptune, the martial energy feels question or in doubt. So uh, a lot of like self doubt and like stress on that, uh, on what your actions will be. Uh, he says so there may be displays of bravado, um, machismo. I'm not sure. Machismo. Machismo. So yeah, yeah. that's like a like a, in a lot of the Hispanic communities, it's kind of like this macho man. Yeah. Like it can be like very so emasculating. It can be really like. Um, what we would call like a chauvinist mm -hmm. in our type of right. culture. Yeah, it's a cultural thing, like a very, very superior, masculine, patriarchal type of vibe. Okay. Yeah. And it says over uh, other overcompensatory behavior. Yeah. This reaction is quite unlike the process of Saturn, um, by comparison, which over time turns a fear or handicap into a strength through mastery. Mm -hmm. uh, when Mars, with the Mars reaction, however, is I'll show you, and there's a lot more aggression behind that. Uh, he says, and there is danger to this impetuosity. Um, Astrofix writes, putting energy into dance, putting energy into the spiritual, putting energy into meditation, passive energy. Uh, I don't really agree with passive energy part, but uh, getting your groove on, slow jams, Ooh. glamoring, dazzling, magicians, sorcerers, Jedis. Um, there are not. I like getting your groove on. <laughs> I, I'm stuck on that now. I can't I focus on anything. So that's like, that Mars Neptune energy. Getting my groove on this Mars. And you can see that in the idea of dance too. Um, these are not the droids you're looking for. Disappearing acts, slipping in and out of roles, con artists, smooth oh, operators, no. disillusioned with men, feeling let down by men, <laughs> disappointed by people's actions, uh, feeling that self-assertion is pointless, which I think we do see in the trials or with these girls as well. Yeah. They don't really, like, what's the point and, um, you know, say trying to defend myself yeah. or others. Defending yourself, defending um, others, denying anything. Mm -hmm. like, it doesn't do you any good. Mm -hmm. That's the worst thing you could do, actually. It shows a war of ideals mm -hmm. being involved, the courage to act on uh, behalf of a higher power. Okay. Uh, using energy for a higher cause, actions that serve a higher purpose. So this is a lot of those themes as yeah. well. Um, Look out for the greater good here, people. <laughs> like That's how they're kind of viewing this whole operation mm. and and you know these girls were not really res put put in a, in a position of responsibility for any of this yeah and if you look at it too like you've mentioned this already mm -hmm. a little bit just just kind of hit on it the religious themes because sam paris was one of their fathers mm -hmm. and the other one's uncle so this is like they are in a really religious family they are. with like like positions in the church and like mm -hmm. the fear the level of fear they had to be experiencing mm -hmm. from all of this like witchy stuff like it, it really makes sense it why does. this kind of spread and i don't know i really really do subscribe to that psychological state concept i think that was a really good theory mm -hmm. so so remember how i mentioned the great conjunctions earlier yes um the Betty, which is one of the first uh, people to have the fifth. I think she may have been the. She she was the nine year old. So she was Sam uh, Sam yeah. daughter. 
So it was her and Abigail like at the same time. Yeah, I'm not sure which one of them. I, I would have an inkling that it might be Betty who kind of like, it was the instigator. I kind of heard instigator when I was working on this chart. Really? But, nice. Um, I can't, you know, we, we would never Yeah, because she was the story. younger one. She was the one who was um, nine. Abigail mm -hmm. was 11. So it's kind of like you'd maybe want to automatically assume the older one was the leader and the other one was the follower, but it's, I don't know, because Betty was the actual daughter mm -hmm. of the pastor. I, I don't know. I feel like maybe she might have been under a different kind of Also, she's younger, pressure. so she's more, like, in oh, the yeah. world of, like, oh. What, what, what sign was she? Was she one of the water signs? <laughs> <laughs> um, she is either Scorpio or Sagittarius. Okay. And then her moon may be around her sun as well. It might have been born around a new moon. Gotcha. Um, but on her chart, what I was getting to was the Saturn-Jupiter conjunction. She was born that year. She was born when it, they were still within a couple degrees of each other. Wow. Um, and it was in Leo that year. So we see expression as a big theme for her. Um, and this is also on her north node on her chart and also in Leo. Uh, so again, we see more of this drama cusp like really putting on a performance mm. um, as her part of her destiny and part of like her big strength as a person. I think that that wow. was just um, very much um, a very strong thing on her chart related to what her life kind of entailed. Um, the other girls also being young, Saturn and Jupiter were pretty close together, but not as much as her would, hers was like first. Um, I think I'm going to move on. Yeah, I'm ready to see Cotton. That's, that's <laughs> who I'm like really, really want to see. Just because he. Well, we're gonna go through victims first. Oh, okay. Cool. And then Cotton, because I'm also very excited. Yeah, Sarah is son. kind of the star of our story. So let's do Sarah. Good. Um, uh. Let's see. Mm -hmm. Sarah Good, um, old style, born on July 11th, 1653. Uh, new style, July 21st, 1653 in Wenham, Massachusetts. Um, she died on old style July 19th, old new style July 29th, 1692. And she was hanged in Danvers. Um, I, but I'm not sure how they split it up between Salem and Danvers, I don't know. Um, by bold charts, uh, we also have some, I also pulled a timeline for what was happening during, throughout oh. the year for her. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so we can kind of look at where the sun would have been during that time and see like, oh, these, it makes sense why this theme came up during this That's month. That's pretty and, cool. Right? I'm loving the style of analysis. Oh, I, yeah. This whole episode is like giving us <laughs> I'd love, new avenues to go down. Uh -huh. I'd love for you guys to be able to look at these notes, look over these notes um, on our Patreon. We have an archive that you would have, get access to. Yes, and right now, like you could get access mm -hmm. to that no matter what you want to pay for a month. Mm -hmm. But whenever we switch it on Halloween, mm -hmm. it is going to be tiered, so mm -hmm. only like the higher levels will have mm -hmm. access to these notes. So if you get in now, you'll be <laughs> grandfathered in and have full access to everything. So yes. just a quick reminder in case you really have been on the fence about joining our Patreon. <laughs> It's a great reason to join. It is a great reason to join. So first off, we have the Sun in Cancer conjunct Mercury and Venus. Um, and so she right away has the stellium on the cusp of uh, what we've been discussing. The drama um, So of course, yes. 
Of course, uh, she was highly affected by this energy. She has Saturn, Venus, uh, Sun, and Mercury all on this cusp. Um, and, uh, you know, if, yeah. Uh, the moon was in Gemini, which is where the, um, where Chiron and Jupiter and Uranus are during this time, remember? Uh, so those are some really influential planets on this time period. So her having her moon there and Pluto, which can represent death and major changes in life, are all getting affected. Especially also remembering that she's affect her motherhood is severely affected. Oh, right. Um, the moon also represents motherhood and mm -hmm. uh, those themes. Uh, so I think it also makes sense for it to be tied into that. She had a baby die, and she had her daughter arrested. Um, gosh. That's so uh, awful. I know. Uh, but the moon in Gemini generally is very adaptive, witty, uh, kind of busy-minded. Sometimes they have a hard time kind of turning their mind off. Like a, like a lot of chatter it can be like. Um, Logic-loving, charming, multi-faced it can be. Uh, sometimes more manipulative or uh, just depending um multitasking energy let's see lunar gemini's often seek security through their smaller communities which she would have been able to do most of her life here mm -hmm. um have these regular exchanges with people and um be able to have a like a, a social rules to live by kind of like to be able to play the social game in her mind a little bit. Um, conjunct Pluto though, this brings a lot more intensity um, and connection to death and intuition. And there's a trine to Neptunal Neptune. Um, let's see. Or did I, what did I, I think, I, did I mean a trine to? <laughs> mm -mm. This is an issue with doing different right, programs. Right, you're not, yeah, you're not using your one that you're used to. I think I might have been saying something else. No, I can't remember what, what that note was for. Um, <laughs> oppositions, uh, she has the moon um, opposite her Uranus and Neptune up in Sagittarius, um, which I feel brings this pull emotionally between like emotional grandiosity and like trivial teas and um how everything feels intense <laughs> anyway because she has pluto there um and uh the aspects of like um neptune with godly things are being like a eccentrified and made uh, more intense too with the Uranus placement there so um I think there's a lot of back and forth with that it also can show a lot of death impacting her emotional state like um just with that throughout her life I think with her father and her right. husband dying and all of this right and, yeah she um, had tragic death of her father I keep a lot of that. Yeah, a lot of things happening relating to death. And her baby affecting dying. Her like, mm -hmm. yeah, she, death seems to really, really mm -hmm. come at her hard over and over. That's such a good point. Mm -hmm. And when, when you have Pluto on something, on such a personal placement, it really can um, wow. show that. And it can also show an obsession with death and like the themes of death. Oh, like, okay. People that are more yeah. interested by the 
um, whole topic. Her seems to be literal death all around her, mm-hmm. which is really unfortunate. Yeah. It's it tough really to is. deal with. Like, um, She has, let's see, uh, squares or no? Oh, I see what I was trying to say earlier. I see <laughs> she has um, a trine from uh, her lunar placement over to Jupiter and Aquarius. Um, which could bring some really benefic energy to her emotions, really. Um, it would be, um, this kind of faith in the universe caring for you, uh, especially like society. So I think like naturally she might have felt like, um, really disappointed when this wasn't the case. Yeah. Um, this can show like emotional luck and expedited self growth. Um, your feelings are in harmony with your prospects for the future. Um, a powerful sense of well being. But then with Pluto involved, it makes this where it can turn upside down um, with all the intensity and the harshness that Pluto can bring. So um, I feel for her with this this yeah. this placement. Um, but she then also has Mars and Scorpio, uh, which I think shows some of that harshness and brashness people were referring to. Mm-hmm. Um, it uh, can also, you know, make. Let's see, she's got the um, Mercury and Cancer placement too. So she'll, if she's going to be speaking on her emotions, and they, uh, it can easily come off harsh. That's a trine up to that Mars and Scorpio. Um, she also has Mars square Saturn, uh, which can show actions um, causing conflict with her structure of life and vice versa. Okay. Um, Jupiter square Mars. This can show missed opportunities, unlucky. Oh, she had um, so much of that. Like so yeah. many opportunities. Mm-hmm. Every time she like started to get something or something good would happen or she'd like inherit a tiny piece of something. Mm-hmm. Somebody'd come along and like fuck it up and take it away or like squash her dreams and goals. Mm-hmm. Like she just couldn't get ahead. No. And like, and, and things that she took action on too. Like she, yeah. when she would go beg or when she would go, you know, yeah. it seemed like when she really tried, it, it still didn't help. And I think that that square really comes through. Oh, man. Um, Sucks. Jupiter and Aquarius is also tied to society. Remember in Mars and Scorpio showing that personal intensity that she would have and maybe even coming off harsh. And I, I could see like that just really not working, like wanting the gifts of society, Jupiter and Aquarius, and taking action to go get them with your Scorpio Mars self. Um, <laughs> not and as a square, it's not really going to go very um, harmoniously. That's just such a bummer because mm-hmm. it's like no matter how hard you try, you just can't mm-hmm. get anything to happen. And it feels like I feel that for her. It's, I know. Poor Sarah. And she has Saturn and Leo, so a lot of like her foundation, life foundation, would be on like expressing yourself and um, and relying on that and kind of having a performance of what's going on in your life in a way. Um, be how you kind of regulate your your um, plan for your life. I, I just, that's gotta be hard. 
Yeah. And I could see the melodrama and the harshness coming through, but at the same time, it's a very difficult life. And um, she didn't even live to be 40, which, of mm -hmm. course, back then, people didn't live that long. Mm -hmm. so that was actually, like, a longish life yeah. for back then. But it just seems like there was so much hardship. Like, it started out... I wonder what her life path number is, because she started out very prosperous, and, like, things mm -hmm. are going great, and then when she turned 17, and her, her father took his own life... Well, um, that would be... In everything her... crashed. Yeah. Like... Crash and burned. Um, which we, oh, I forgot to mention, um, the squares with Mars on um, the sun, and there's another aspect over to Pluto. Uh, looks like, um, like a semi-square or something. Uh, there's the idea of the father with the sun. Mm -hmm. uh, also with Saturn. Uh, but these the squares on Mars and um, aspecting Pluto related to death and transition. I think that's also really harsh energy representing the father situation. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah. Um, but her life path number I was gonna say would be controversial because if she went by her date, oh, um, right. a lot of a lot of numerology is based on what numbers are actually around you and affecting your energy. Yeah. So. If she considered her birthday to be um, July 11th, then it would be totally different than July 21st. Yeah. Um, wow, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then... I would say it goes with everyone mm -hmm. is more in line with her story than probably. Like, you know, you if it comes down to two, you can... Both. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't um, know what we're arguing between. I, do, I don't know either, but... Perhaps you could, but I feel like there's like... I don't know. For the couple that I know about, like, Life Path 7, Life Path 8, I feel like they're pretty different. Mm -hmm. like, I feel like you could see a, a significant difference between mm -hmm. the two where, where you could be like, okay, well, this one doesn't make sense, but this one does. Well, Maybe. you know, when people will look into the numerology of their name, it'll have, which, there's a word for Number what nine. that result gives you. I can't remember what it is. Um, Interesting. But it, they, you have to decide if you count uh, Y as a vowel because that changes oh. things. And you have to decide, like, how do you usually sign your name because the way you sign your name will impact what number is coming through. So if you, like, use your middle initial or your whole middle name. Oh, so yeah, I don't even use my whole first a, name when I sign mm -hmm. stuff. That's and people will change their names to give them a better um, numerological Whoa! Um, result. So when they sign their name, they're putting a, the inner more energy that they actually want into um, there. I feel like that <laughs> is fascinating, and I want to write this down. Like that, I'm interested in at least talking more about that. Yeah. Uh, so it would. I think it would depend on what she considered her birthday to be. Um, <laughs> I think the catch ate it. Possibly. Or I'm sitting on it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think it might be... Oh, I wanted to also mention her north node is in Pisces, which is where Neptune was moving through this time. So you can also see her life path like diving into the Neptunian uh, issues currently going on. Um, and when we don't have houses, but the 12 houses ruled by Pisces, um, just traditionally. Uh, and that area, Pisces does mention uh, imprisonment, um, being isolated, um, kept away from society, escaping, kind of escaping, but involuntarily. Um, so I think that also comes through with her chart. 
she has Chiron in Libra. Uh, Chiron being um, more traumas and things like that. And Libra showing the judicial system. Which is also very telling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, I really feel for... Yeah, she Especially had, after looking at her charts and she had lots too. of tough things going on in her world, which so unfortunate. On the day of her death, um, which on the new calendar is the 29th of July, uh, 1692, on the old style it's the 19th. So um, we see Pluto is come over onto the drama cusp, like I mentioned earlier, <laughs> along with the Sun and Mercury. Uh, this is shortly after her birthday. Uh, so there's solar and mercury conjunctions, which I've started to see a lot of these planetary returns come up on people's death charts. Yeah. Um, and I think that this shows significant intense deaths. Uh, so it's kind of a sense of completion with a highlight on these placements, uh, like the themes of those placements that have come back around, especially if they're close to Pluto, like in this case with Pluto indicating death on the chart during the time period. So especially um, speech and sense of self um, with the sun and Mercury here. So those themes I do think show a lot because this was really focused on who she was as a person, um, what people felt about her, what they thought about her, what she said. Um, a lot of those kind of themes related to her death, tied to her death, and then Pluto coming over, um, conjuncting her son to the degree, um, which is very intense. And then there's a trine over to Neptune that day, like I mentioned earlier, um, which just brings like such a strong energy between those two planets and another trine over to Saturn and Sagittarius. There's a lot of Sagittarius, um, Pisces, things going on, uh, where Sag the Sagittarius Saturn also represents a lot of that um, structure society based on religion at this time um, and how both of those things are directly impacting her death and death for that day in general. That um, makes sense. A lot of some astrologers also mentioned like the mutable cross stuff happening during this time uh, with um, the uh, the signs like involved. Uh, we've got um, Pisces, Sagittarius, and uh, Virgo, and Gemini. I'm like, question, double second-guessing myself. Um, so I think there's a lot of energy coming through on these planet, these uh, zodiac signs energies all together and um, forming such an impactful time these people I think I might want to talk a little bit about Rebecca nurse do I I didn't mention her all see. of the story mm -hmm. so just because there's so many people and so many things yeah. going on I know you said another astrologer had covered her mm -hmm. so you were like there's info out there right. um, I'm trying to see which of these I think Giles would be interesting to talk about for a second yeah uh, Giles Giles. I heard it pronounced Giles, mostly. <laughs> and he was crushed to death. On, he was um, pressed. But it was with the rocks. Yeah, they call it pressing. Same difference. That's like the formal, reality. that's like, 
hanging versus noosed, I guess it would be like if you wanted to say it a different way. I don't know. Um, so he, um, during the trials, he started to believe his wife actually was a witch. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was tortured by rocks on the board and pressed to death. Uh, let's see. I also have his baptism date. But um, I, I think he I... was the one that it was like he was born. Be- see, he was sometime before August 16th, 1611, um, which was the date he was baptized by the church. And I tried to look up like how many days old would the baby be when they were baptized. Oh, wow. Um, but it was a little bit hard to. Uh, so I settled on just the first of August. Because um, I'm not going to look at anything too... I do have a fun fact about him, and I'm wondering if you can kind of see anything like this on his chart. Okay. So as they were putting the rocks on his body, um, he kept saying, more weight. Mm-hmm. And the reason that he wanted to die that way, like, instead of being accused, is so that his children could inherit the mm-hmm. land. Like, so he was, was like, kind of like sacrificing himself in a way for mm-hmm. his family so that they would at least because if he was taken to trial like the way everybody else was then yeah he would mm-hmm. um which is why i wanted to lose land rights it's so crazy that he was he was very strategic yes. with how he died so i don't know if that shows up at all it does because that's okay. what i was going to dive into oh cool i didn't know mm-hmm. so, i didn't really talk about it in the story but no it's good that you we mentioned it so then they know a nice segue a nice segue again yes. i didn't think we were going to talk about his chart mm-hmm. so i just kind of glossed over it's not good <laughs> um you so, really prepared. Yeah, you? I had all the yeah because I had to I had to have something to know which charts I even wanted to cover. Yeah. Uh, so I had to look a little bit more into it than I usually do. Um, awesome. But Pluto was in Taurus. He has some really intense Earth placements, which is what I was really interested in with the um, land issues that he mm-hmm. has. So he's got Mars and Neptune and Virgo um, and Chiron in Cancer or sorry Capricorn. Um, starts with a C. C C A something. They're opposite on the chart, you know. Whatever. Uh, so with all these like um, really intense energies on his natal chart, and with how um, the transiting chart at the time was coming over his chart, we see a lot of really um, huge challenges, especially related to Earth energy, with Pluto being hit. Um, it brings a lot of that, like personal possessions, personal land, personal, what I, what I need to survive in this world and, um, how, hitting the crux of it with Pluto, like, okay, like actual death, um, being involved. Uh, it also shows that his death was related to like earth type things. Um, we've got Makes sense. Neptune and Virgo showing that, um, that delusion and illusion and, and uh, spiritual influence affecting his, um, I don't know if he actually farmed on this land. I'm sure that most of them, I don't know. I feel like that was kind of just um, like understood back mm-hmm. then because they didn't have like supermarkets and shit. Like they were literally, yeah. if, mm-hmm. unless you were going to start, I feel like that's why a lot of people were super, super desolate mm-hmm. and poor once they lost their land is they lost their means of eating right. and agriculture. So much. And, yeah, all that stuff. So I'm not sure how much he did personally but uh i'm sure he i'm sure he did at least some and virgo being the sign of the harvest and all of that being coming in and this was getting to harvest time when um he was executed 
the Nep Neptune was um, was Im impacted. Uh, Mars also being in Virgo brings uh, a lot more action to that placement of death. And these are all um, aspecting Pluto as well. So they also are tied to his death for a death reading. Um, Cap uh, Capricorn, Chiron, again, Earth sign, what you um, want to inherit, want, want your inheritance to be what you're recognized for, what you, um, what your goals are in life and having this be Earth sign literally with how he wants to have his land as his legacy. Um, having his trauma tied to that makes sense as well. So, um, and this would also form, I think, a, a loose, looser trying down to his Pluto placement. Um, the orb on this program is smaller than mine, I think. Mm -hmm. But it's hard to tell. Uh, so, on the day of his death, I think... Awesome. We I was have, figured you'd have a death chart for this one. Yay! I do, but I think it's pulled on the, on the Julian calendar, so I'm gonna... Anyways. <laughs> um, he, was, he would have died on September 19th. Uh, so, it would have been on the cusp of that Virgo-Libra season, um, where it would have been directly, during his whole situation, it would have been directly impacting his Neptune placement. Um, let's see, we've got oppositions there from the, Nep the transit Neptune in Pisces, which we talked about. Um, Saturn would have been square his Mars and the current uh, Venus placement. So we see a lot more conflict going on there. And Uranus was, was forming another square to uh, his Mars and Venus, or transit Venus. Um, so a lot of that structure of society, our God complex issues and our um, erratic uh, nature of how we're just going to point the fingers at our neighbor, all coming together for him um, wow. on the day of his death. His north node, or the, let's see, where was his natal north node? In Gemini, so it was also being heavily impacted during this time too. Um, a lot there for him. I don't think there's anything else on him I want to cover. Um, oh, you know who I'm ready for. I know, I know. I'm just so fascinated. Oh, the more oh, I learn about right. him, the more I'm like, let's see. I gotta shit. know, I gotta know. Oh, also with his, his death literally being like several rocks, like small earth okay, element okay. things, yeah. makes a lot of sense too. Like a lot of rocks being put on him. It wasn't like one massive, like. Uh, boulder, you know, it was right. several small rocks where Taurus would be the earliest earth sign, the smallest earth sign, like literally. Wow. Yeah. And if you think of like being so steady and just like putting each one on there, that does mm -hmm. feel very Taurus. Like it's a very uh -huh. slow death too. Mm -hmm. Like you're slowly being. And the way he fought uh, back with that, like Virgo, like more weight, like the way I could see like his attitude coming through that way. Yeah. Um, he was also a Leo. He's got, um, the ability to kind of put on a show, perform. Mm -hmm. um, he does have squares from his sun and Jupiter over to uh, Pluto as well. So you can see like his dose being well known. 
crazy and thing a big being, deal that he was 81 like oh, that keeps that, yeah. a keeping reminded of that in my mind like he was 81 years old and mm -hmm. they did this like that's crazy mm -hmm. also back then 81 is like 105 that's super in old. today's mm -hmm. ages that's 105 years old oh yeah see we didn't talk about him um yeah we can move past him and if you want to know about more people you'll be able to get on patreon and see more yeah. notes on them uh, so yeah, if you're like really into all the witch trials and you know all the mm -hmm. different figures and I've studied it in the past, like yeah, this has tons and tons of information. Oh yeah, I put quite a bit on here. Yeah, it's like there's no um, way I can tell the story of this many people. Oh no, I wasn't expecting you podcast. to. It was hard to narrow it down though because I <laughs> I wanted to have their charts just in case because I yeah. can't just pull them quickly with this situation. I partially went with like the people who kept showing up in every story because again mm -hmm. I went from knowing almost nothing about this so it was mm -hmm. like it was the same names every time that were like mentioned. Oh. If you dive deep like I'm sure uh -huh. all these other people are coming up too. Oh absolutely. I definitely didn't get that deep. All right so now we're into the section I called evil puritan idiots. Yay! <laughs> Um, and all of them had some really interesting Pluto-Mars aspects, uh, Mars-Pluto aspects. Um, on, just so I could get a quick blurb for you guys, Cafe Astrology said, oh. um, this is a powerful aspect in a natal chart suggesting in your lifetime you very often see extremes of behavior and experiences or go through crises more than most. Um, you may be no stranger to violence or abuse. Um, and in turn, you'd also be giving that out. Right. Um, you learn through your experiences, self-control and self-awareness uh, over time <laughs> so that you are better equipped to deal with these extremes. So it seemed like during, um, this was something they were working on healing throughout their life, uh, where you see this was probably one of the biggest um, points of conflict during that journey. <laughs> um, Makes sense. So, right away, Cotton Mather. Here we go. Um, he was a New England Puritan minister and a prolific author of both books and pamphlets. Which is what Wikipedia said. I thought it was funny. Uh, he was born on February 12, 1663, Boston, Massachusetts. Um, Whoa. Or, yeah. And then he was... Uh, he died in on the 13th. Yeah, he died one day after uh -huh. his birthday. I saw that from here. I, like, I, I thought that might be what Yeah, I was like, that's mm -hmm. fucking crazy. I know. And 1728. Um, Damn. In the Massachusetts Bay. Uh, I think that's so interesting anytime, like, because I go to a lot of cemeteries, and that's one thing that I, like, look for when I'm just looking at different graves. It's like, who died, like, mm -hmm. on their birthday, right after their birthday. Like, I just think that's so interesting. I know. I was just talking about so that. So they're having all the returns, like you mm -hmm. said. Like, they're having yep. all these returns. And uh -huh. so, yeah, it just it always it catches such my a, eye. such a more intense death. Um, yeah, because I remember Selena was one of them. Who uh -huh. was having all We've these different returns. We've had a lot of returns. those come up. She's the one that mm -hmm. really, like... Uh, rings a bell in my head of like mm -hmm. I remember you talking about that but specifics of a person yes. but I remember saying it several times. Yeah. I, I can't like, remember oh who they else. have this return and that return and mm -hmm. blah, blah. and now that I've said it so many times I'm like, oh this is really okay. It's a theme. So um you know he had a lot of um opinions. Um so can you guess what <laughs> what uh, sign he has so much of? Um 
Opinions about society. Opinions uh, about Aquarius. Oh yeah, I just oh, got really? a huge Aquarius stuff oh, here. Oh wow! Okay, cool. Um, oh, shit. We're talking about Chiron, Uranus, Whoa. Mars, the Sun, Venus, and Mercury may have been there, but Aquarius or it could have been on Pisces. Packed. Like it is maxed out in Aquarius. It is very maxed out. Holy um, shit! Oh no, no, Mercury was definitely in Aquarius. I don't know okay. why. I just the way this chart's laid out messed me up for a minute. But all of those are in Aquarius. Um, and his, uh, sun placement, um, is at the 24th degree. It is trine his Pluto, uh, which is in Gemini. Uh, then we have, um, let's see. That's just some so sextiles over to his, um, Saturn and Jupiter which are conjunct on his chart. So again, someone who is highly influential to this time was born again on a Saturn-Jupiter conjunction. Wow. Um, and his, remember that the Afflicted Girls was while it was in Leo. Right. Which is very like expressive drama, drama performance. His was when it was in Sagittarius, which is like a rel religious extreme. Oh my gosh. Uh, so this is a very prevalent, very strong, intense energy on his chart with those two being in Sagittarius conjunct. They're, they're four degrees apart. Um, and they are sextile to the things going on in Aquarius. Um, so and they are <laughs> opposite his Pluto, which is like tied to death. Uh, his Pluto being in Gemini, death of communities, death within communities being a theme that could easily come up for him in life. Um, also, like, uh, just intensity in that area. And then he's got all these big, grand ideas with all the Aquarius energy. Um, I'm not sure if uh, his moon would be in... It could be in Aries or it could be... I saw that. And I over, like, he's got a murder moon. He could have a murder moon. Um, but if... If this, depending on which calendar type this was, um, it could also be, let's see, like a couple days, another couple days. It could, it could be on the other side of the chart, more like um, Virgo, Libra, Scorpio as well. So just keep that in okay. mind. Um, so with, um, I really like, <laughs> I'm really interested with, um, oh, also his Neptune is in Capricorn which gives him this sense of like establishment and authority within that mm -hmm. uh, godlike space, especially during this time. Yeah, but it, it, I mean, his mm -hmm. dad like invented the entire Protestant or uh, <laughs> Puritan movement. So mm -hmm. he's like, I can see like it makes sense for him to uh, feel it that. It feels very, yeah, like this is the structure. This, uh -huh. is, this is where so uh, my... So many, so much of that uh, spiritual influence in his idea of goals and mm -hmm. um, that makes so much sense. So the mass of Aquarius stellium can bring out a lot of progressive, neoteric, the energy like related to the collective, the community, hopes, aspirations, and you see like there there were some like better better intentioned things that you said he did like right, he like, was very I mean it's not that it was better things it was yeah. just like his intent behind mm -hmm. even what was like now we look back mm -hmm. and go that was awful mm -hmm. in his mind mm -hmm. he was doing everything from a place of a higher good yes. like he genuinely thought he was doing Lord's work 
He thought that he was saving Salem. He thought that he was ridding everybody of the devil and this witchcraft uh -huh. and getting the evil out. Like, he genuinely, I think he was so convicted in his religious beliefs that he genuinely believed that everything he was doing was going to be positive. Which, so it's like... Which is exactly what we'd see from someone who has, like, all of their placements in Sagittarius, Capricorn, and Aquarius. Yeah. Um, mainly Sagittarius yeah. and Aquarius. You see a lot of that energy coming through, a lot of this devotion to um, what he considers a higher power and all of those strengths. It's exactly what's mm -hmm. showing on the chart. Um, but he, uh, let's see. Like, people with good intentions can still do really terrible mm -hmm. things. But that's the idea so, behind all of Aquarius. They want to innovate and want to create a, an idealistic social yeah. order and have this amazing sociology and, like, uh, really aspirational um, society. And it's, it's uh, it can be altruistic and humanitarian, but, like, focusing on, but with his influence from the church and, and what mm -hmm. the ideas were like at the time, and um, oh, it's so many of these other, and his, um, these like his Pluto placement being focused on like the communities, I feel like the smaller communities and almost like willing to vilify them and wanting to call within them is very intense on his chart. Um, so they also can get really into intellectualism, conceptualization, um, which is also what we see with his books and doing right. all these things. We also see um, kind of like a library of a mind with um, Mercury uh, in Aquarius. And he was so influential, even mm -hmm. like Benjamin Franklin mm -hmm. was like loving his book and saying, oh, yeah. oh it changed my this life. This could be yeah. someone who, who could acquire a lot of fame on yeah. the chart with their placements. Um, this can also show someone who's really proud and interested in like habits of the culture, um, accomplishments of um, what like the new best thing to do is. Like this could be someone who, if they intellectually could get behind it, would really be on like a new trend. Like, oh, now we're being Puritans, you know? <laughs> yes, I'm all in. Yes. Um, I, I agree with this, I'm going for it. Um, I'm gonna write books on this. Um, there was also like a focus on um, like being it's kind of this idea of like revolutionary this is disruptive mm -hmm. but in the in the best way for yeah um yeah it's so i mean it makes so much sense mm -hmm. um he has a let's see mars what's I what was i trying to write in that mars oh i already said that um the stutter was something else that I yes. I took a quick note. I on. knew that we had seen a placement somewhere mm -hmm. before on somebody's chart that had something so to do with like a speech be, impediment. Yeah, it would be really great if we had houses for this, but generally speaking, like Mercury square Pluto, um, any kind of like issues with Mercury could really easily put up a stutter, um, and it, having it be related to like all these other placements in Aquarius, I think that that really harsh, like, um, or I said, well, I'm trying to make sure I'm saying the right things. Um, anything afflicting his Mercury placement would, um, affect his speech. Okay. That's what I'm trying to say. Got it. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Um, I still can't get around how much shit he has in Aquarius. I know. Oh, and his north node's in Virgo, so he's very into um, 
discovering more of the man-made guilt. <laughs> Something he's very interested in um, pursuing in his life. That sounds terrible. Way to go, man. Mm -hmm. Sounds awful. Mm. And I'm not sure how he died. Um, yeah, not either. But, I mean, like, the witch trials mm -hmm. would have all ended before, mm -hmm. you know, he wasn't Oh, that's what I was going to look so at. Was I was going to look at so with the witch trials transit chart over this, you see all that Gemini stuff being activated, all the Virgo stuff, um, some of this stuff on the tail end of Aquarius, absolutely. Um, his grand conjunction of Sagittarius being lit up. Um, so he definitely had a lot of like presence, <laughs> like okay. well-known yeah. presence during this and a lot of influence. Yeah. Um, William Phipps, I wanted to cover a couple things about him real quickly. Um, his, he was all about, um, oh, no, I wanted to make one more thing on uh, Cotton. He was a big person who had influence over the spectral evidence debate. Right. And him being able to get, like, so caught up in, like, well, of course, this is the revolutionary way to, like, look at things and do things, like... Um, and him feeling like he had the authority on, like, God would feel like we should, you know, I think the idea was, like, if the women were innocent, then God would make sure that they became uninnocent in the trials, no matter oh, what. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was, like, like way he would yeah, so yeah. It, was, it was more of that type of thinking, which we also see on his natal chart. So, one thing, yeah, with the Lord's Prayer stuff, mm -hmm. there was one gentleman um, who was being executed. He was about to be hanged. I believe he was a minister, mm -hmm. and he was also accused of being a witch. Mm -hmm. They thought that, like, um, evil could hide in good people, uh -huh. and he was able to recite the full Lord's Prayer. He did it right before they hung him, wow. and so people in the crowd tried to stop it. They were like, hey, he's doing it, and I believe it was Cotton Mather that said... No, 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 no. Actually, that's just the that's just the devil disguising uh -huh. you as a good person, trying yeah. to confuse you. Uh -huh. I'm pretty sure it was Cotton yeah, Mather that did him. that. I forgot all about that until you said it. Mm. Pretty sure that is uh, that was him. Um, he is the one. <laughs> the crowd was like, "Hey, hey, hey!" And he's like, mm -hmm. "Wait a second, you guys. I have it under mm -hmm. control. We need to just proceed." And to have such concentrated placements on his chart, it makes him such an intense person. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what you would have to be to, to live that life. Yeah. Oh, my God. So there's that. I'm um, glad we hit on that because I forgot mm -hmm. about that piece. That's an interesting part of the story. Again, I learned so much history, you guys. It was very intense. <laughs> I learned history for you people. You fabulous people. Oh we'll put the word fabulous in there because it's true. Okay. Let's see. I don't remember who this guy was. Um, oh, wait, this is the guy who put a stop to all of it because his mm -hmm. wife was accused. Okay. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see if there was anything on his chart I wanted to look at. Or I know we're, we've talked for a while, so it he's, might be better for like a Patreon episode or something. He's like, when you accuse my wife, uh, you've crossed the line. Right. Everybody else, fine. At that point. But hey, I'm married to her. She's pretty great. Like, can we not? Mm -hmm. I'm just going to end this whole thing now. Like, he was that guy. He was. Thank goodness that one person fucking stepped up and mm -hmm. stopped this because mm -hmm. who knows how long this would have gone on and how many more innocent people would have, you know, been executed over something that just, or what new ways they would have come up with to mm -hmm. um, hunt people and like, you know, try to get these confessions and all this coercion and torture and 
is terrible. It's really terrible. Yeah, and after his wife was questioned, and he um, he was, uh, I think, starting to talk to Cotton Mather's son, Increase, more too, and uh-huh. starting to believe him because Increase was not um, interested in this this factual evidence like his father was. Yeah. Um, he he changed the whole judicial type structure of the court. Uh, he called it judicature, um, that included no spectral evidence on October 29th. Um, so on October 29th, we would see the sun moving over his natal Mars, um, which would be, uh, let's see, or moving over his, uh, south node, sorry. Um, so this is him having to address things that he's been doing in his past, especially at the time recently, that would have been more Mm. intense and scorpionic, like death themed. Um, also like the mysteries of life would be. And kind of the undertones, which I think is kind of an area where spectral evidence exists. Um, where it's like, oh, all these like spiritual kind of like in the shadows type uh, realm, uh, past the veil type thinking. So he was having to face that. Um, oh, that's a bug on my table. I've been watching it for a minute. I was just trying <laughs> not to be disruptive, but it's like a little moth or something. It's just walking around. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've been really enjoying so, this little guy. Another thing on William Phipps' chart, which is kind of funny, um, it was a chance his moon is here um, in Cancer, but his Saturn is in Cancer uh, retrograde. Um, so Saturn in a water sign retrograde is has a real hard time actually following through with a set structure over a long period of time. Um, okay. so it's kind of like they'll get their footing and then they kind of like willy nilly like, Oh, something else. Um, <laughs> some other structure actually, something some else. other, some other way of living, um, some other foundation for what I'm working on. Uh, so I could really see how he, he could get carried, uh, carried away with this spectral evidence the structure of the court. And then when the tone changed, especially with cancer relating to like the mother, his, his wife, you know, um, that more feminine nurturing energy, then all of a sudden, oh, yeah. Like, actually, <laughs> actually, this is, gonna, this is how we're going to uh, form the court now. Yeah. Um, a lot of Saturn-type things there. And there is a trine here to Venus, which would indicate, like, values and love and relationships and things. Uh, so, again, relating to his wife. Um, and a square to Mars, which it seemed like it was kind of a difficult thing to do, um, especially with the way things have been going and his Mars being in Libra, um, relating to the courts and all that again. So legalities. Um, I also can't help but notice once again, we have bo- died after, yeah, shortly after his birthday. Yeah. Again. We have this, uh, yes. having a ton of returns when he died. Mm-hmm. That is wow. I know. Um, Returns are intense. Like they are. Clearly, we see it. And he also has a stellium in Sagittarius, um, Uranus, Neptune, Jupiter. So again, that heavy influence on like that Sagittarian religious idealism and things like that. Um, And then uh, notoriety and growth and opportunity in that area too, with Jupiter there. And then his son and Mercury are in Aquarius, which we also see. So he's also getting on board with like the society yeah. upgrades and uh-huh. revolution and stuff like that. But he's not as um, 
he's not approaching it from the same way that uh, cotton. cotton is yeah. in, entirely based on their charts, which is really fascinating. Um, it seems like William Phipps is more geared toward looking for comfort, looking for all of that, with his North Node being in Taurus. Um, his Chiron is in Virgo, where he feels a lot of that man-made guilt, I think, personally, too. And mm -hmm. it, it, it hit him close to home with this situation. And that's all of a sudden when, oh, this is too much. I'm going <laughs> to change. Yeah, um, too close to home. Mm -hmm. So in his, his Mars and Sun also form Grand Trine to Pluto, which can also bring a lot of action and his um, personal uh, themes of society and all that, like I mentioned. Um, and his actions in the court relating to death in the community where you see Pluto and Gemini. So did I say that word makes sense? Yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, like a real strong thing. He, and he's got a kite off of those placements up to the um, Stellium and Sagittarius. That like <laughs> but, yeah, but they, they do look like a kite. Um... I think the only other person I wanted to mention was uh, Cotton's son, for sure. Uh, this would be Increase Mather, and I just think it is such a cool name. <laughs> like, um, Increase Mather. It's like Increase Matter, almost. <laughs> increase, decrease. Increase yeah, is so uh, I, I hope it's either. said that way. It um, is. It's said as increase. Yeah, I heard it a lot okay, in good. my research, like in all the documentaries. But I, again, was like, I can't. I can't. So he was also very smart. He went to Harvard. Um, he was influential in the administration of the colony during the time uh, that coincided with the witch trials. Uh, but he did not agree with his father on the spectral evidence situation. He said, it were better that 10 suspected witches should escape than one innocent person be condemned. Right? Yeah. Like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For it's always the younger generations that <laughs> are like, listen, mom and dad. Mm -hmm. I mean, not in Cotton's case. I he know. was the younger generation who really went for it. Like, Well, they think they're being, you know, they're, they're that's that going with the times. And... Too. There's that weird like family loyalty yeah. that like existed a lot more in those older generations where they were loyal to what their parents believe. Mm -hmm. And like, the, like the next one that seems more, to be the one to kind of push There's more pressure it. to do that yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, so his Saturn, which can represent the father, was in Aquarius, where his dad has all of that. And that really shows where his foundation of life lied with that Aquarian viewpoint. Um, and uh, we're, we're trying to be revolutionary and do things this new great way for the society. He, he understood that, and I think that he took advantage of um, the privileges that that gave him. Like, he benefited from it. There's trines off of his Saturn placement to Uranus and Libra which can show um, like his different views, uh, individualistic views on uh, the legal system at the time as well, probably his okay. whole life. Um, and then a trine down to Mercury and his son, um, which also show um, the father, but also the self and the mind and the speech and what you thought. So a lot of really willing to, um, and finding harmony in having these unique viewpoints for the time and, and being a little bit more upfront with them. I know that I don't I don't know that he actually I don't know exactly what his actions were during the time, but it seemed like um, at least having the viewpoint was beneficial to him. So that's nice. Um, 
there is this this kind of theme on his chart where he understood the viewpoints of um, like the structure of the trials, um, but these these can't there's cancer stuff he has going on. Um, I think that he was more caring than his father because he, he took action more out of like a nurturing cancer place with Mars and Cancer, um, where his father did not. Um, his Chiron was in Taurus, conjunct Pluto, so I think this was a really devastating um, situation for him to be in. I think that this is tied to his uh, biggest trauma in life. Um, he had wow. Pluto at, this, at the zero degree or one degree of Gemini, so death of communities was uh, also a theme on his chart, but um, it's really close to his Chiron, which is like his pain and things like that. Um, I heard connector when I was looking at. I chart. almost said he's so connected to mm -hmm. it, and then I looked at your notes and saw the word connector. I was mm -hmm. like, "That's crazy!" I got the same. <laughs> I was gonna wait to see what you said about that, yeah. but it was just the same download yeah. I got. That's awesome. That's so cool. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> his North Node is in Sagittarius for like you know where he's wanting to be um, religious and spiritual and connect to God, but I think mm -hmm. that it was um, coming from a more caring place. He's got. Uh, good aspects down to some of his work caring placements um he has venus on the drama cusp um so i think he was he was more in his heart space about all of the situation going yeah. on um also his values and how you can see on his chart like they just will come through differently with him um and his dad uh let's see and i think he was able to really like call call things as BS, at least internally to himself, because he has Neptune and Jupiter and Scorpio, where I think that that's, ah. that can bring a lot of illumination to the hidden yeah. and the unseen, and I think that Scorpio, like, energy is really sussing things out. Um, uh, that could that could give you a really clear um, vision to see what's, what's the truth, what the truth is about things. I think that, um, Makes sense. It might have been more of a natural thing for him to say, like, oh, this is ridiculous. This is <laughs> this spectral evidence stuff. Like, no, like I, I kind of already vibe with um, what that the uh, like that kind of uh, there's a word undertone. I don't know. He's like the liminal out. space. What's yeah. going on in the liminal spaces? I, I he already has kind of like these. Um, this kind of lens into that world or into this liminal spaces. I don't, I think that he can tell that that wasn't anything yeah. <laughs> actually going on. Um, I think that's all I had about him. He didn't die until 1723. Um, yeah, because he, he was, again, a son. But so he did die in a year of another um, Jupiter's, Jupiter-Saturn conjunction. Well, that's in Sagittarius. fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Um, very there fascinating. Anything else you wanted to hit on? This might be it. I think um, we covered yeah. all we've my main covered a lot, and we've talked for a while. Yeah. Um, pretty much like two hours of chart, like very <laughs> cool. heavy chart, which is great because everybody really was excited for this episode and wanted to like look at this stuff, Absolutely. and you went so in depth. Fantastic. 
Um, thank you guys so much for joining us for another episode. I hope you liked our kind of walk down this like history avenue that we don't so much normally do, but this is truly a very dark thing that happened. So much death, so much murder, so much injustice. Things that we like really hit on a lot in this podcast, no matter what, who or what we're covering. Um, so please make sure that you subscribe, like, follow, rate, review, tell us your, tell us your Mercury placement. Like give us a, give us a comment and tell us your Mercury placement because we want to know. Um, um, shout out to Collab Design and Kid Coda for the graphics and the music, the music yes. for our um, podcast. Yes. Yes. We are grateful. We have link, links to them in the description on YouTube and on um, wherever else you listen to this probably. Yep. So yes. you can support us again for free. Mm -hmm. You can connect with us on social media. You can join our Patreon. Get in on this uh, awesome thing that we've got going until Halloween and get grandfathered in with no minimums. Merch. Um, and we have cool merch. Again, we're doing stickers right now. So we have all the info about our website on there. Live show coming on October 27th. We're going to be covering Son of Sam. I actually didn't mention that at the hey, beginning. If you um, listen to this little outro, you're going to get the full story. Yeah, and we have an event page on Facebook for the online event and the physical event. So uh, please connect with us, and uh, we will see you next time. Be sure to chart all the bitches in your lives. <laughs> Bye. Bye.